Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, the first thing is that uh, uh, live chat isn't working. So, Marco, sorry. <laughs> he usually doesn't tune in for a few minutes. I'll, I'll announce it a little bit later on. But uh, live chat's out. And so Marco in the Netherlands, who routinely uh, gives us all kinds of great comments and looks stuff up for us and does amazing stuff, uh, he's getting a little frustrated. Now, we do have a Skype line for anybody that wants to uh, call in. Now, you have to call in the day before. And then I have to, well, sometimes a couple of days, I don't get to it every day, but uh, I have to approve your account. And once I approve your account, then you can call in directly to the show from anywhere um, in, in the country, actually anywhere in the world. Um, and so I was just watching something else for a second. Momentary distraction. Anyway, good morning. Um, it's uh, 7 o'clock here on the, uh, the Gulf Coast on the panhandle of Florida. And so this is our broadcast from worldwide, which is really kind of a trip. It's still, it still amazes me that I can just turn on a computer, log in to Blog Talk, and then when uh, this little British voice says, your show begins in five seconds, it's like, oh, okay, now what? <laughs> your mind goes blank and you think, okay, wait, what am I going to do now? Well, I guess I better start talking. Um, so a lot's happening in the world, obviously. There's just some amazing things. Let me give you the, the first announcement, is that our Citizen Legislation Day is January 7th. That is picking up momentum. We're looking at guests. Uh, again, Dr. Judy Mikovits has already confirmed. We're going to get more people. There's more people in the works. We've got worldwide uh, streaming uh, on, on, um, on Facebook from uh, Larry Downs Jr., who's a friend of mine. So we've got, we've got full streaming. We're going to have, hopefully, other big media companies and, and, and folks out here. Uh, in fact, um, our dear Congressman, Matt Gates has a rally this evening. And so it's, uh, it's in Navarre. And Navarre is an interesting place in Florida. Um, they had this sign as you walk in, well, not walk in, as you drive in. So it's kind of like turquoise blue sign, you know, for the, for the water, even though the water's green, which is why they call it the Emerald Coast, right? The water's actually green. And it says, uh, you know, Florida's most relaxing place. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but the last thing I want to do is go to Florida's most relaxing place and just watch a bunch of people sleeping. It's pretty calm there, actually. But the beaches are beautiful, and it's great. Anyway, he's got a rally. And so uh, it's publicly announced. This is no big secret or anything. It's, it's open to everybody. Uh, but I'm going to go and talk to him about uh, Citizen Legislation Day because I'd like him to be there because obviously we're, we're doing things that would totally change you know, the whole country and, and very possibly the world with some of the things that we're talking about. Okay, so what's going on? Let me get to my, my Facebook, Twitter uh, posts of late. Uh, the last thing I posted probably about an hour ago, Brandon Obama. So that's, that's what I'm calling the, the White House occupant the illegal government, the, the occupation, the coup, Brandon Obama. So, so who's president of the United States? Brandon Obama. You know, that way we get a first name, a last name, and everybody knows. Uh, and he said, I, I wrote that Brandon Obama says Israel has a right to defend itself as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. So in other words, you know, Israel has, the, the, well, it's pretty self-explanatory. In other words, you know, defend yourself, but don't go into Gaza because it's not yours anymore, even though it was up until 2005. Now, there's, uh, there's something really fascinating. And this is one of the things that, of course, doesn't get reported um, in the news. You look at uh, Gaza, and you see Gaza. It's, it's a pretty stark place. It's like just buildings and concrete. Uh, it looks like Cairo. And uh, I posted a picture of Cairo to show what our county supervisors wanted to make Milton look like, which, in other words, no trees, you know, just roads and buildings. Right? A really horrible, ugly, sunbaked, terrible place. Um, but if you – but uh, – you know, there's, there's a video, it's on our international news page, Action Radio International News Group. Um, I think, it, I know it's on my page, 
and it might be in a, a couple of other places, maybe. Uh, um, I'm not sure, but anyway. But the thing is that there's a video out that shows what Gaza was when Israel had it and what it is now. And when Israel had Gaza, uh, there, there was terrorism. <laughs> really, you know, you could go to the beach. You know, there were beaches. There was beachfront property, you know, that the liberals always seem to want. Um, there was some amazing things. Uh, live chat's still out. Uh, it was, uh, they had park. They had parks. They had green. You know, it looked like, well, basically the rest of Israel. Uh, it looked fabulous. And so what happened was as soon as, you know, Hamas, well, Hamas wasn't there right away. But as soon as the so-called Palestinians, who are basically refugees from Ottoman Turkey, um, took over, they destroyed the place. And so this, this really bizarre concept that Israel has to take people that don't belong to Israel within Israel who are trying to kill them, uh, and, and that makes sense to people? That's insane. That's irrational. That's, that's, there's, there's, there's no reason to do that. Why would you do that? Why would, uh, you know, why would anybody have, uh, have a people within them uh, forced on them by the rest of the world who are trying to kill them? In no other country can I think of where you have people who are trying to kill you, you know, it'd be like, uh, what if we had a Gaza Strip in, I don't know, Maryland, just outside D.C.? Well, I'm sorry, these people were there, you know, thousands of years ago. And let's talk about that, too. Uh, I had a, had a fascinating discussion with Pianchi on that. And for the most part, I listened, and I thought about it, and I disagree. <laughs> so go back to last Thursday's show with Pianchi. It's a great hour, the third hour. We're going to ancient history. We're going to all kinds of, of amazing things. And, and his contention was that the people there um, basically um, – you know, the Palestinians of then uh, are the same as the Palestinians of today, and they have a claim on it. And then I was talking to uh, Jonathan Mosley, who I'm going to talk to in the next hour. Uh, he says, no, those are totally different people. And I, I, I'm going to side with Jonathan on this one. Um, and it's very interesting that the Palestinian, the quote Palestinians uh, of ancient history, of Roman history, of, of Jesus' time, of biblical time, the reason they're called Palestinians is because the, the Romans hated the Jews and they wanted to piss them off. So they took Israel and named it Palestine when it was really Israel. Quite frankly, the biblical claim, the ancient history claim, who was there first doesn't matter to me because this argument is never going to be settled. It's never going to be settled because the, uh, the Muslims claim Ishmael as the firstborn, even though it was Abraham, you know, Abraham and, and the hired help, you know, and uh, which is kind of interesting, actually, um, considering the, the, the Muslim faith. And then you've got uh, the Jewish faith, which says Abraham and uh, Sarah were, were God's chosen couple. The, the son Isaac was the one, and he you know, begat Israel, and Ishmael begat uh, uh, Islam, and away we go. <laughs> and it's never going to be solved. It's just never going to be solved. Okay? So, that's, so, so the way out, if you know it's never going to be solved, it seems irrational to try and solve it. Okay? It seems irrational to me to try and make a two-state solution when one of them was never a state. It was just a region that uh, was named by Romans because they were mad, um, and, a, and a, an entire nation that is real. In other words, is real. Israel, oh, I kind of like it. I have to use this more often. Israel is real. That's how Jonathan now. See if he gets a kick out of it. I write that down. Israel is real. So Israel is real. <laughs> In other words, the Palestinians, well, who are the Palestinians? Well, they're not Palestinians because they're not uh, from, from ancient Rome. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're, I don't know what happened. It's just they wandered wherever they wanted. But uh, today, Today, the people that are calling them Palestinians, themselves Palestinians are refugees from Ottoman Turkey after World War I. Now, most of them went to Jordan. Apparently, half of Jordan is of Ottoman Turk, in other words, you know, quote, Palestinian origin. Well, if you've got half the country of Jordan, which is a whole lot bigger than Gaza, it wouldn't take much to absorb the, the Gazans who hate Israel and trying to kill Jews uh, into Jordan. 
on the other side of the West Bank, by the way, in the East Bank, you know, I mean, real Jordan, not West Bank. West Bank is not uh, West Bank is Israel. Um, so this is quite fascinating to me. So the solution is very simple. And I've listened to all kinds of folks on this, and I've, I've, uh, I'm, not a, uh, I'm not an ancient history scholar. Everybody knows that. Um, but I think that, because uh, I've said so enough times, but I think it's very clear that in this world today, that Jews have to have a homeland, and that homeland is Israel. That's it. That's the way it goes. And whether you're Jews from Russia or Jews from uh, Egypt or Jews from uh, you know, Namibia or Jews from Australia, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you're from. Iceland, pick a country. No matter where you're from, Japan, Jews have to have a homeland, and that homeland is Israel. Okay. Now, and people say, well, they, they don't have a claim on it. Okay, it's, it's too late for that. All right. In this world today, Israel, that'd be like saying, well, we have to give America back to the uh, American Indians. That's not going to happen. It's just not. I mean, how many Americans would, would be willing to give up their homes? Let's, you know, and, and pick various neighborhoods around the country. It's not going to happen. Is it a tragedy that that happened the way it did? Absolutely. So the world today, Israel is the home of the Jews, and that uh, the, the Muslim world, uh, the Middle East, has plenty of countries for, for Arabs of, uh, of, the Isla- of the Islamic faith. Egypt, Turkey, Iraq, Iran, <laughs> known as Persia originally, um, Saudi Arabia, uh, the entire top of Africa from Morocco to Egypt, um, most of the, and Indonesia, which is the largest Muslim country. Millions, what, 60 million uh, Muslims live in Indonesia? So Muslims have plenty of places to go. They don't have to be in Gaza. They don't have to be in the Golan Heights, and they don't have to be in the West Bank. There's all kinds of places they can be. Oh, gee, great, that's not fair. Well, I mean, who said life was fair? What's not fair is forcing Israel, a Jewish nation, to take people in and keep them who are trying to kill them. That's not fair. That's just downright stupid. That's irrational. And so the only country in the world that is forced to take people that are trying to kill them, uh, the simple solution is to remove the people that are trying to kill them. So Israel incorporates Gaza, Israel incorporates the West Bank, and I say incorporates, not takes, not occupies. No, I say incorporate for a reason, because it used to be part of Israel. So I don't know why they were so stupid. Land for peace just means less land. It doesn't mean peace. So Israel needs to make up for the mistake they made in 2005, reincorporate Gaza, turn it back into a tourist, industrial, and, uh, you know, uh, living paradise like it used to be, uh, and fix it. And uh, Egypt, they don't want the the folks, that's tough. You know, uh, Jordan doesn't want the, the people that are, you know, the Palestinians that are already there. They don't want these Palestinians, quote unquote, Ottoman Turk refugees. Tough. I'm sorry. That's just the way it goes. It's not Israel's problem. You know, at least they're similar enough with the same faith, you know, to go to a, a, the, the Muslims in Gaza, the Hamas are, are a similar faith, should go to a Muslim country, Jordan and Egypt. Pretty much answers that question. All right. What else is going on? Um, Turkey. <laughs> Turkey's interesting. Turkey, the place where these people came from in the first place, says that they're willing to go to war with Israel to not take their own people back. That I find fascinating. It's like the ultimate irony. So Turkey's going on and, and saying, uh, you know, that uh, you know, we're going to go to war with Israel. Israel has to make a Palestinian state. You make a Palestinian state. You used to be one. So if the Ottoman Turks, who are calling themselves Palestinians, have any place that they should be going, it's Turkey. That's where they came from. That's their origin. That's their land. So to say these people have a claim on Israel when they're from Turkey is absurd. They don't. Okay? So it's time to go back to Turkey. So the answer for Turkey is very simple. Kick them out of NATO. Stop sending them weapons. Stop giving them money. Cut them off. Oh, well, we can't do that, Greg, because the, uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 the straits of uh, whatever it is between you know, Istanbul and uh, Greece. 
Thermopylae? <laughs> Maybe that's different. That was, no, that's Persia. Anyway, whatever it is, is the Black Sea and this tiny little entrance. It's on my globe. I'll get it later. Anyways, but uh, they think of Turkey in geopolitics and strategic terminology. So that's why we can't have uh, um, we got to we got to maintain relations with Turkey. No, we don't. They're paying the ass. <laughs> you know, especially with Greek heritage. Greeks always have an animosity towards Turkey, you know, especially for World War One. You know, a bunch of other reasons. Uh, I'm not going to go into that. I don't maintain grudges. Um, but in this case, you know, Turkey, yeah, take it or leave it. It's not really a big deal to me. But uh, quite frankly, they're being really stupid this time. And Erdogan, 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 the, the leader of Turkey is a turkey. <laughs> he really is a turkey. Um, so that's a different thing. All right. So there we go. That's on that. All right. A couple other things in the news. I'll get to my main topic because uh, it's not going to take me the whole hour to explain what I'm going to say, you know, from my big topic. So the other one is Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry, uh, star of Friends, apparently drowned in a hot tub. I find that impossible. You know, that, that's, uh, that's like uh, Tafari Campbell, uh, Obama's chef, you know, drowned while uh, standing, next to, standing on or next to or hanging on to a perfectly good flotation board in eight feet of water. That doesn't make any sense either. You know, even if you, you couldn't swim, you could drop down to eight feet, bound a couple of steps underwater, come up, take a breath, <laughs> drop down to eight feet, take a few more steps, and eventually you could walk out. <laughs> Sooner or later, you'd be in five feet of water, and chances he'd be breathing just fine and could walk out. Okay, so even if you couldn't swim, you could walk out of eight feet of water. <laughs> you know, so, so none of this makes sense. So anyway, so now we've got uh, so we got Matthew Perry. In fact, I've already talked to Abani, uh, who's going to be reporting Wednesday, and I said this this makes no sense. Now he's had some massive health problems, huge addictions. He was in a coma for several months. There's an article on our special investigations page, which nobody else is talking about, that uh, this guy's had major, major health problems. Now, of course, all of us who are suspicious think it was a COVID shot. I'm willing to bet it was a COVID shot. You combine a COVID shot with all the other health problems he's had, it's no wonder he drowned of a, of a heart attack in a bathtub. Well, not a, excuse me, a hot tub. <laughs> well, what's a hot tub if not a glorified bathtub? I mean, it really is. It's like drowning in your bathtub. Does it happen? Sure. But I'm sure he had a massive heart attack because of a COVID shot um, from all of his other health problems. And because, uh, I mean, how do you drown in a hot tub? First of all, you don't sit there underwater. <laughs> you know, it's not that deep. So this is a big mystery, too. All right. Next topic. I should do a little, I should do a little bell. I'm going to start doing that. Maybe I should do a bell every time I change topics because this is kind of like a rapid-fire session today. So where's, where's my hotel bell? Hang on. Let me scroll down here just for a second. Da, 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 da. Ah, here we go. Next topic. There we go. <laughs> Mike Pence. Now, we're going to talk about this a little bit with Jonathan. Mike Pence uh, decided, or actually his handlers decided for him, George Soros, uh, and the, uh, the deep state, the World Economic Forum, and the people that pull his uh, puppet strings decided for him that obviously he's not going to make president. Now, Mike Pence made the deal with the devil. He made the deal with Satan. Mike Pence scuttled the entire uh, Trump presidency uh, by betraying Trump, by betraying everybody that voted for Trump, by betraying this entire nation, by saying he could not send the Trump electors and the Brandon electors back to the states and have the state legislature send one of those slated electors back to Congress. He says he couldn't do that. Quite honestly, that's the only thing he could do. So he lied. So as I said about Mike Pence, Mike Pence is, is the first person on a presidential ticket to actually steal the election for the other side, it, which is incomprehensible, right? But that's what he did. And then Trump says, well, Mike Pence better endorse him. Uh, Trump, I got news for you. Mike Pence is never going to endorse you. He hates you. He always hated you. His whole job was to sabotage the Trump administration, just like Paul Ryan's job was to sabotage the Republican House. You know, uh, Kevin McDeepstate, his job was to sabotage the Republican House. Thank God we got Mike Johnson. I think Mike Johnson is the most significant political event for uh, this country in a positive way 
since Donald Trump was elected president in 2016. Of course, the most negative one was when the election was stolen in 2020. But the most positive was Trump elected in 2016, and then Mike Johnson just became Speaker of the House. That is the most significant political event for the positive uh, since uh, Trump was elected. The first time. <laughs> Second time was pretty significant, too, but we'll talk about that. Anyway, so Mike Pence, the traitor, the person that betrayed this country, that lied about the Constitution, that lied about things he couldn't do, and it was the only thing he could do. Uh, Mike Pence, I believe, made a deal with the uh, GOP and the deep state and the World Economic Forum and George Soros and everybody else that if he scuttled Trump, he would get the GOP nomination. And they said, of course, Mike. Mike, you're a wonderful man. You know, we're going to, yes, you're going to get the GOP nomination. You do what we say to scuttle Trump and we'll make you the nominee. And that idiot believed it. (laughs) And guess what? He's not going to be the nominee. In fact, not only did they not make him the nominee, they cut off all his funding, I'm sure, too. Because that's the only reason people leave politics, so they don't have funding. People will talk forever running for president as long as they get funding. The minute the funding dries up, that's it. They're done. Okay? So it's quite fascinating. So Mike Pence was an idiot. He always was an idiot. He doesn't represent this country. He is apparatchik of the deep state, and they have scuttled him. And now he's wondering what happened. It's like, wait a minute. They, they said I was going to be the nominee if I got rid of Trump. Okay, Mike, it's time for, your, it's time for a little truth serum. It's time for a little sodium pentothal, Mike. Let's start talking about what really happened, okay? Who talked to you? Who promised you the, the nomination if you scuttled Trump? Let, let's go. Let's, let's see what happens. All right. Um, another thing I want to touch on briefly here, and then I'll do, probably do my communication uh, information, uh, is the fact that we, we, we started talking about this Friday, but I really didn't cover it enough, so I'm going to have to bring this topic back. And that, uh, that given that we have, uh, what, 8 to 15 million illegal criminals who have invaded our country, uh, brought in by an illegal uh, presidency of Brandon Obama, that we have uh, criminals all throughout our country that are not being captured, are not being arrested, are not being thrown in jail. So we have no criminal enforcement and we have 8 to 15 million new criminals. It is imperative that Americans, as much as possible, carry guns. Americans have to carry guns all the time. You have to carry guns for shopping. You have to carry guns in church. You especially have to take these businesses that say you can't have guns, like, I don't know, the Lewiston, Maine bowling alley, that said you couldn't bring guns in there because that's where, that's where criminals bring guns. Criminals always bring guns to places that other people don't bring guns. These places are targets. They're not gun-free zones. They're, they're, they're gun-free target zones. They're victim zones. You know, they're, they're, they're the worst possible places because criminals all know that if the sign says don't bring a gun, then the good people are not going to bring a gun. So what the good people should do is just not go there in the first place. Boycott. Any business that doesn't want you to bring a gun in should not be a place that you go. It's just that simple. But we need tax. We've got a, we actually had a bill for this. We talked about it Friday. We have a bill at writeyourlaws.com um, under all proposed laws. It was under legislation and all proposed laws that proposes tax credits and tax deductions for guns, ammunition, hunting licenses, range fees, training, and a whole host of other things. Why? To promote gun use by good people. And so that's how you handle that. All right, I think I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I think it's all the things I want to talk about. And uh, I got more here, but uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's take a, a communication break. Uh, I'll let you know how to reach us all and all those good things. It is now 719. Back in a bit. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Same link, live and a podcast. 
please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Joe Biden's Dark Winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> uh, that that has special meaning for me, but let me uh, let me get you back in a, in a more traditional way. Let's give you a little uh, uh, that, that's kind of a negative thing. Something that's a little more exciting to listen to. Here we go.
Okay, so now we're going to descend down into uh, some articles and things like that to talk about. But I, I wanted to mention something about my, my Biden dark winter piece. First of all, I made that before the 2020 election. That's been around for a while. And, and I, I made it as a joke. I thought, ah, this will never happen. <laughs> you know, it did. The election got stolen. Um, what's interesting that I didn't know, I was, I was going over some stuff and I had to uh, redo uh, my YouTube. Uh, oh, I've got, I've got a new piece i got to play, too. <laughs> that was going to be fun. Um, anyway, so there's something that... Um, yeah, the Action Radio Diversity Workshop. <laughs> I've been threatening this for months, but anyway, I finally got it uh, finished this weekend. Um, uh, but what happened with uh, as I was looking over, and apparently I put it in the wrong channel, so I had to delete it from one. I moved it to another, then I had to like download it, upload it, you know, take it off one, move it to another. It's really quite an interesting process how this all works. Anyway, uh, but uh, what I discovered was that my Biden, you know, dark winter piece had been deleted by uh, by YouTube. They took it off. You can't say that. You can't say, you know, all that stuff about the election being stolen. They took it off in 2020. So apparently I put it back on again in 2021, and they haven't noticed yet. <laughs> so now it's still on my YouTube channel. Uh, this is why I didn't notice it, because I took it off. And I guess I just said arrogantly as I would. I said, okay, fine. I'm going to put it back. So there. Screw you. <clears throat> you know, it's kind of how I do things. All right. So that's what's going on that. Um, there is something I want to talk about now. Food. We haven't talked about food much on the show here, but we're going to talk about food now. Because there's something horrible going on, and it started with GMO, genetically modified organisms. It started with, um, you know, salmon, one of the most nutritious foods on the planet, being raised in farms where they were fed carrot pellets to make them look orange instead of eating the natural, you know, shrimp and krill and, and things that turn them that, that wonderful orange and red color. And so the wild-caught salmon is good. The farm-caught it's it's like you know a feedlot, <laughs> you know. So they're eating garbage. So you get salmon from, and you can tell because the fat lines are a lot thicker. So the thin white lines of a, of a lean wild fish, which is very healthy compared to the fat, you know, lines of a farm-fed orange pellet carrot-fed salmon, is totally different. They look different. You can just tell. You know, this is, anyway, point being that the government has decided to uh, uh, do all kinds of nasty things for food. So first of all, they changed it from real food into genetically modified. Now, it's one thing to crossbreed food to get selective things. I was reading something over the weekend uh, about broccoli. The, the broccoli does not occur naturally in nature, that it was created by crossbreeding uh, uh, cabbages. And, uh, okay, I think cabbages are done too. But they, they crossbred a bunch of different wild, I think it was wild cabbage. And so it was wild cabbage and they eventually uh, uh, crossbred it until it became um, broccoli. Well, that's okay. I don't mind that. You know, it's like when they get different, you know, varieties of apple by, you know, take some of this, take some of that, crossbreed them. See, that's still natural. You're still using the natural DNA, the natural genetics that are out there in the environment that nature created. So that's not a problem. You know, that happens all the time. Gregor Mendel, M-E-N-D-E-L, the priest that first determined, you know, the, the earliest genetics and, and how things all worked. And it's pretty cool, right? So that's natural. So that's like uh, people. You know, if you mix uh, someone from India and someone from Iceland. The kids are going to look you know, different than people from India and people from Iceland. <laughs> okay, that's okay because human beings can reproduce. Any human being can reproduce with any other human being. Um, you know that's how it works. Right? Oops, chair. I'm sorry. Uh, and that's what makes us a species. The definition of a species is one that can reproduce and produce, you know, like offspring. But uh, genetics doesn't care whether you're, you know, uh, a short black person or a tall, you know, Nordic person or a short Nordic person and a tall black person. It doesn't matter. You know, we're all human. And so that's how we all reproduce. So all this racial, ethnic, religious, all this crap is just a bunch of nonsense because we're all the same. Uh, we think differently, <laughs> that, that's what, but basically we're all the same. 
Okay, so, that, so, so we naturally produce all kinds of different people. Now you start genetically modifying people. You start playing with people's DNA. You start to, you know, doing all kinds of stuff like that to, to babies, you know, designer babies. Now, now you're messing where you shouldn't be messing. This is how we got COVID. Bunch of mad scientists. You know, it's, a, it's the, the Jeff Goldblum question in Jurassic Park. You only asked if you could. You never asked if you should. It's a great line. It's one of the, one of the best lines in the movie, Jeff Goldblum, Jurassic Park. You only asked if you could. You never asked if you should. And that's the question. So, so even just because you can do something, could you do it? Should we have genetically modified organisms? I would say no. Is crossbreeding of natural varieties okay? Absolutely, because you're still dealing with natural, uh, uh, natural DNA that combines in nature the way it's supposed to. And nature will select it out. If it's not supposed to be there, nature will be like, yeah, this isn't, we're, we're, we're going to pass on this species. It ain't, it, you know, ain't going anywhere. Uh, that's what happened to millions of species. You know, I guess more species have gone than live on the earth today. And yet we still have, we're still discovering new species all the time, especially way down deep in the oceans. So that's okay. It's okay to modify. It's okay. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not okay to modify. It's okay to crossbreed and do things like that because it's okay. A little announcement to Marco. I don't know how Marco's getting in touch with me in the Netherlands. Marco, if you have Facebook, you can message me directly, <laughs> you know, if we were Facebook friends. Um, and, uh, and we have the Skype line, too. So the Skype line, I don't think I've read this very often, but if you go to our, our broadcast, you look on our broadcast page, um, it's got uh, down below the show notes. It's got our discount codes, my pillow, then the, the bottom of the page, uh, where it says live show, 10 a.m., use the keyword search, international Skype call-in line, online call-in, Skype name, you know, live colon, period, CID, period, FDDBAC53A2909DE1. That's the code. That's how you can get the show directly, you know, anywhere in the world. Once I approve your account, you can call in. So, Marco, we'll have to get you to call in one day because live chat still says... 404, file or directory, not found. <laughs> so our live chat does not exist today. So back to food. So, so that's basically food. Okay, so, so they went from genetically modified. Uh, they went away from crossbreeding. They went to genetically modified. Uh, and then they got this ridiculous idea. Uh, the UN started talking about sustainable food. Well, sustainable to who? And, and the way they got there was they said the food was right. No. <laughs> uh, uh, let me explain that. You know, uh, can uh, I would say that, the, you know, the, the fact that the government wants to stop you from eating certain food and, and make you eat other foods, completely illegal. Uh, I would say it's completely unconstitutional because we have the right of choice. We have a right of choice in a lot of things, all right? So we need to kind of – I was thinking of like a constitutional amendment that comes up something like the, the Second Amendment. The right of the people to choose their own food shall not be touched. Nor, you know, uh, I, I don't know how to word it. It's going to take some time to think of it because I want to have a really simple declarative statement. That protects us from, you know, bugs. Uh, it gives us the choice. The government cannot force bugs on us. If they, if they want to make bug food and make it available and they want to label it bug food, I don't care. If you want any bugs, go ahead. You want any bugs? It's not my choice. But you want to do it? Yeah. You know, it's a free country, right? At least it used to be. And so the question is when it becomes, when the government starts forcing you. In other words, public health. There's a ridiculous belief that people... Um, in public health can turn off the Constitution. It's, oh, Panky's on the line now, too. That people can turn off the Constitution and do anything they want if it's in the public interest or if it's in, in public health. Well, no, they can't. They're wrong. They can't do it. We still have freedom of choice. And so, Panky, I'll bring you on just a second. I want to kind of explain this a little bit, and then, uh, then I want to bring you on, because it's a bit interesting topic, I think, to, uh, um, to talk about. And so I'm thinking the, the differences between the UN Declaration of Human Rights and our Constitutional Bill of Rights, which are night and day. They have nothing in common. The UN Declaration of Human Rights is a, is a slavery doctrine. 
is the doctrine of slavery to, from individuals around the world to a world government. Because what they talk about as a benefit then becomes a requirement. They say you have free speech as long as you use it responsibly, which is, in other words, is how they tell you how to use it. Well, that's not free speech at all. So now they've got this ridiculous idea, the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, and all these different international groups that think they're so smart, because they don't eat the bugs, but they want us to eat the bugs. They're saying that, uh, A, I actually wrote this down. Let me see if I can get this, pull this up here for a second. It says, uh, here we go. Ewan says, first of all, that we have a right to food. Is food a right? Is housing a right? Is uh, a guaranteed income a right? <laughs> no, <laughs> because what is a right? A right is something that the government can't touch. So in other words, if the government says that you have a right to food, the government mandates food, the government controls food, the government tells you the bugs are food, the government says it's sustainable, that's the exact opposite of a right. That's a, that's a government uh, tyrannical mandate. Okay? So the UN Declaration of Human Rights is actually a UN you know, Declaration of Tyrannical Mandates. And they say, well, it's human rights. Well, what is, what is a human right? Does that mean somebody in Madagascar has a right to my house because we're both human? No, of course not. That's absurd. That's insane. Anyway, so, so this is where we stand right now. We're, we're in this bizarre place where the UN has said that this, this is back in, in 1948. I think they came up with this pretty early. UN was, was created about two months after World War II ended. Gee, what a coincidence. And so they say that certain things are rights, and, you know, because you have to live in dignity. All right. Well, if, if food is a right and you don't have food, that means somebody else has to give it to you. So you have to take from other people, either money, resources, or their actual food and give it to people that you say need it because it's their right. And that's what makes it not a right. If you're taking something from somebody to give to somebody else that's not a right, that's confiscation. Very different. So the UN Declaration of Human Rights comes along and they say, okay, well, people have a right to certain things. And that is fundamentally wrong. And I talked about this with the gun perspective. In fact, I just posted it recently in our Action Radio gun group. said very clearly that a right, first of all, there are, there are natural rights that we're born with. We are born with the right to own and carry guns and defend ourselves. The Second Amendment has nothing to do with that. Well, that's kind of a shock to people, right? What do you mean the Second Amendment doesn't give us the right to it? No, it doesn't. The Second Amendment doesn't do anything. What the Second Amendment does is prohibits government from touching your already God-given right to keep and bear arms. So you as an individual have a God-given right to keep and bear arms. The Second Amendment is an Abs- Here's why rights are absolute. Okay, I finally figured out how to explain this. Rights are absolute because rights are absolute prohibitions. So when the Second Amendment says the government shall not infringe, that is an absolute prohibition. Therefore, the Second Amendment is an absolute right. Absolutely. So it, it doesn't give you the right. You already have the right. But what it does is tell the government you can't, that they cannot touch your right even those, the most infinitesimal amount. Well, if they can't touch it, even the most infinitesimal amount, if they can't encroach, even encroach upon your ability to own and carry guns, that is an absolute prohibition, and that's what makes rights absolute. So your God-given rights are absolute. Okay? The government in abs- is absolutely prohibited. The Second Amendment doesn't say you know, the right of the people to keep and bar arms is, uh, it can be somewhat restricted, uh, is, is moderate. Is moderate or is uh, is negotiable? <laughs> it doesn't say that. It says that you know, uh, take free speech. All right, the government shall make no law abridging the right of free speech. That is an absolute prohibition. That's what makes rights absolute. I just hit upon this yesterday. Uh, religion, government shall not establish a religion. That is an absolute prohibition. Therefore, these rights are absolute. Okay. Now, getting back to food. All right? So the UN comes along and says 
you know, that uh, they have a mandate to make sure that everybody has whatever they consider food. See, if they say you have a right to food, they can control how you get it. They give, they give themselves permission. It's like public health. When the, um, when the, the, the CDC says that we have the right to, uh, that we have the power to declare that people don't have to pay the rent. And the government has to, uh, you know, pay people for not working if we if we close everything down, you know, and, you know, and, and, they, and they do all these things that are completely unconstitutional. Well, it's in the public interest, so it's OK. No, it's not. And who says it's in the public interest? They killed a million people. Is that in the public interest? I don't think so. So anyway, so getting back to this, this chief event. So the U.N. declares human rights. They declared them responsible for human rights. They declare themselves to maintain human rights. They declare that those rights have to be sustainable. They declare that bugs are a sustainable source of food. Therefore, you have to eat bugs. You following the logic of all this? So they can force us to eat bugs because we have a right to food. Now, if you can follow that twisted logic, you, you know, yeah, you, you're doing really well. So what I want to do, this is what I'm going to bring on Pianchi. This is what I want to do is I think we need a new constitutional amendment. Um, that says, and I'm not sure how to word it because I literally thought this at 1130 last night, that we have a right to food choice, that the government should be prohibited from restricting, denying, or channeling in any way our food to us through any kind of a mandate. And I don't know how to word it yet. This is going to take some time. This is going to take some thinking. But that's how I think we have to do it so that the, the UN cannot force us to eat bugs, that they have to label it properly. That can come under Food and Drug Administration laws. The, the FDA and the, and the Federal Trade Commission is actually better at it, you know, accurate food labeling. So that's a separate issue. But we have to have something, I believe, now that, uh, that prohibits these world government uh, organizations uh, from making our government, you know, make us eat bugs simply because they declared a right when we all know it's a government slavery document. At that point, let me bring on Pianchi and see what he thinks of my argument. Pianchi, what do you think of my argument? Well, I'll just... Standing back to see when the fist was going to start flying. <laughs> what fists? It's just me here. Oh. <laughs> People come knocking on your door. What's wrong with your chat now? No live chat? I don't know Where's what's wrong Marco? with it. I just, I, I just, well, I, I'm no. just hearing from Marco. It says 404, file or directory not found. It says the resource you are looking for might have been removed. Had his name changed or is temporarily unavailable? I'm going to go with temporarily unavailable because why would they remove it? I've already you know, emailed blog talk, but you know, they don't wake up until about 10. So then I'm going to read it for a while. So we're at, we're, we don't have live chat. You know, before we did, I, I think they're going over everything. I think they're gradually fixing things, but in order to fix it, they have to disable it. Remember when the show, I couldn't log on about, uh, what, about a month ago? Remember that? Yeah. We started about you know, 9.30. <laughs> Your first show starts at 7. No, sorry, 8.30. And that's the day I had Naomi Wolf. So I had one of my biggest guests ever. Dr. Naomi Wolf, and I had arranged with Dr. Judy Mikovits to call in because they'd never met. They'd never talked. And my show came on about 20 mm. minutes before, before Naomi Wolf was scheduled. That was a bad day. Oh, man, I was stressed that day. Today we're okay. Today it's just live chat. But, you know, they fixed the, the logon feature, and it really screwed up at first. We couldn't log on. Then they fixed it. Now it works actually really well. In fact, it worked so well uh, when I had a, a thunderstorm throw the power out. Uh, when, I, when, I, when I got back on, I didn't have to restart a brand new episode. The show was still there. Even though there was a power failure, my computer completely, you know, zapped out. Let's get back to food. Let's talk about that for a bit because I think uh, I was trying to think how to combat well, you know, the, the food and Sometimes people need to say, no, we're not going to do that. And that's not going to yeah. happen. One of the reasons why they try to impose some of these ridiculous restraints, quote unquote, mandates, because they think they can get away with it, have got away with it, because of the ignorance of the public. Mm-hmm. You got an ignorant populace then okay. just about anything would be tried 
to be sold to you. And that's what we have observed in the last few years. Well, why, what's the, what is in their interest to get us to eat bugs? What, uh, what possible virtue can there be in something like that? Obviously, people don't want to do it. Some people do. Some cultures eat a lot of bugs. Eh, it's okay. Great. Do you want to eat bugs? I wouldn't stop anybody from doing it. It's like anything else. I just don't want to be forced to do it. And if they're going to put bugs in the food, then you better, well, you better damn well tell us exactly which food has bugs in it, what kind of bugs, use common names, you know, crickets, roaches, <laughs> you know, grasshoppers, what kind of bugs are you putting in there? You know, and, uh, and, and make it in plain language. Don't go, you know, locusti grasshopperus, <laughs> whatever the Latin word is for, you know, for grasshoppers. But just put it in plain English so people can understand it. But I don't get it. I don't get well, why, they, why they think this is a good idea. No, it's, well, someone had came to the government with a good idea, and they need to make it, get it beyond the threshold where it's profitable. So if you just depend on people's own curiosity and their own participation in volunteerism, it won't happen. So they have to have a government to force people in order to generate the type of revenue they generate to be profitable. And also, guess what? Well, I donate to your campaign. Sounds like electric cars, actually, in many ways. Yeah, like Solyndra and some of these other things. That, um, that the government creates an artificial industry. Businesses line up because they want the taxpayer money, and uh, and then they, they they you know then they subsidize it, and businesses get involved, and all of a sudden you've got uh, people making electric cars, knowing damn well they're worse for the environment. They're not as good as gas cars. We've got plenty of gasoline on the ground. We have got two hundred years of supply. And we're probably going to have hydrogen fuel cells and, and some kind of cold fusion within the next 20 to 50 years anyway. So we don't, you know, and we'll still have 150 years of oil left over. So the idea that we have to, you know, give up our cars or drive electric cars is absurd. But they're creating this artificial market. I think a lot of it comes back to CO2, that these people are determined to take away our life-saving CO2, uh, our plant food. That they don't want plants. They don't want people. They don't, you know, this, it's, it's, it's this negative uh, culture. We've got too many people. We can't support them. You know, well, it's not up to you to do that. I mean, I realized this a long time ago because I grew up, you know, with a completely leftist uh, orientation, you know, from an ultra-socialist feminist, mostly mother. My father had it. He wasn't as involved politically. My mother was, she was dedicated. She was a dedicated communist, although I never called her so at the time. Um, it was, I mean, I got all this, this crap I had to read, the limits to growth and uh, the population bomb, and we're all going to die, you know, and it was like an instilled in me. I have to save the world. Well, actually, I am going to, but in a completely different way. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> That's kind of how it works out. But uh, a lot of people grow up with this. If you grew up in the 60s and 70s with this liberal crap, you know, that, that Roe v. Wade is health care, that there's too many people, that uh, for the good of the environment, you know, we, we you know, don't have more than one kid. It's a bunch of nonsense. And well, yet, how do they come you know, along? How do they come uh -huh. along to that point of thinking? You know, decades ago, a store, a retail store in Chicago that sold wild game meat, you get ostrich lion, alligator, of course, mm -hmm. and uh, elephant, no, camel meat, camel mm -hmm. meat, horse meat. Emu. So if you want yeah, to like be able to eat, <laughs> if you want to be able to put the insects into the people in order to make a, a wild feel to fill up, well, then uh, let people be able to eat those other things, too, if they want to. Well, and it really comes down to choice. So, so the question is, how do we word a constitutional amendment uh, that, that says that the government cannot infringe on our food choices? Uh, 
that they cannot direct or challenge certain kinds of food to us. Now, I, I go to my, um, my Australian Bill of Individual Rights, which I wrote with uh, Jen Clark in Australia uh, maybe a year or two now. I'm not sure when it was. Whenever the, the, it's probably back in 2020 when the Freedom Truckers, you know, in, in Canada and in Israel and in Holland, oh, Netherlands, sorry, Marco, Netherlands and in Australia. And I wrote all, I, I tried to email all the truckers. The one that answered me was Jen Clark in Australia. And so we wrote this individual, this Australian Bill of Individual Rights. And a lot of them really apply right now. So here's, here's uh, but, the, but we don't have one on food. But let me give you, here's number 14. Every person lawfully in Australia, so this leaves out illegal aliens, right, has the right to freedom of movement, choice of residence, modes of transportation, that's for electric cars, choices of energy use, that's, you know, organic fuels, uh, engagement in commerce and investment, choices of lifestyle and other personal choices, and these shall not be infringed for any presumed public interest, scientific theory, real or imagined, or for any purpose of social engineering. So in other words, people have the right to be free of government policies that they think is in the public interest. It's up to people to choose. What's in the public interest is what the public chooses on their own without extortion, coercion, well, or, or uh, financial uh, persuasion. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there's things the government is doing and getting their nose into that needs to be – get them out before we come up with something else or before they go on to something else, like education, uh, telling financial institutions that they must lend mm-hmm. to illegals here in the country and things like that. Yeah, we actually have one for education. Let me, uh, let me pull it up for you here. Hang on. Okay. Oh, here's an interesting article we'll get to maybe uh, tomorrow Wednesday. Everything about suspected main mass murderer Robert Card's suicide feels wrong. That's J.D. Rucker. He's probably one of the best writers out there. We'll get to that in a little bit. Australian Bill of Individual Rights. We have one on education. Let me see if I can find it real quickly here. Uh, where's my um, regulation policy? Require restraints, forcing workplace, free movement, tax, rights for free. Where's my education? I know it's here. We have like 30 of these. That's the problem. I wasn't intending to. I don't like to try and read on the show and try and find things. I like to have them all lined up ahead of time if I can. Um, no, we have one on education. I'll find it in a second. Yeah, so if you put the things that the federal government can't do according to the Constitution, rather than taking things away from them that they are doing that they weren't supposed to be doing in the first place, I wouldn't even give them credit for that. People should say, I'm not supposed, I'm not going to do this. You're not supposed to be telling me to. And go back to the states. I'm for state powers. Well, I am too. I mean, the states created the federal government. Well, I, I post something in the... Um I'm just still trying to find this one thing. I know we have an education amendment in here. It's really, and it's really powerful too. Oh, here we go. Government shall not limit access to any private or homeschool education opportunity, nor shall government compel any participation in any government education system, curriculum, or subject matter. So government shall neither limit opportunities nor uh, compel participation. So I think something similar for food. Government shall not limit, you know, shall not infringe upon the choices of people uh, for food, nor compel them to have a certain food. I mean, we're worried better than that, but that's kind of, that's generally where I'm going with it. But as far as straight rights, I'm absolutely with you, you know, and, and the, the gun thing too, there's something in our, in our gun page about uh, the, this great judge in, in California um, that ruled that California's gun law was against the second amendment. And I'm really starting to sharpen up my, my definitions on uh, uh, constitution and rights. And I was talking about that a little bit earlier, but does this make sense? 
people say, well, rights aren't absolute. Well, you got to understand what rights are, okay? So natural rights are what you have from God. God is absolute. Therefore, the rights God you know, grants you at birth are absolute also. So you have the absolute right to defend yourself. I'm not saying you can go attack somebody else, but you have the right to defend yourself. Therefore, you have the, the right to the, the means of defending yourself. Guns, knives, swords, bows and arrows, you know, blow guns, whatever you want. So you have the means, so because you can't defend yourself if you don't have the means to defend yourself. So therefore, the means to defend yourself are absolute too. So what the Constitution does is Constitution is a strict limit on government. The Constitution really has nothing to do with people at an individual level. It doesn't. The Second Amendment has nothing to do with you as an individual. It is strictly a prohibition on government because your individual right was already established by God when you were born. You were born with the ability to defend yourself, a free human being, that is your right. Therefore, you're born with the right to the implements of your defense. Tommy gun, fully automatic, no problem. Okay? They can't make these distinctions between, uh, um, between guns because, because uh, the right to defend yourself is absolute. Jonathan's on the line, too. I think he'll, like, he'll appreciate this argument. So if you look at rights as absolute from God, then you look at the Constitution. And I think I went through this a little bit earlier in this hour. The Second Amendment in particular. The Second Amendment says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's an absolute. Therefore, the Second Amendment is absolute. So the idea that you can put reasonable restrictions on the Second Amendment is irrational because it says so right there. It's absolute. Therefore, these people that are talking about restricting things, what they're really talking about is statutory law. They're saying, okay, well, we're going to limit what you can know under statutory law. Well, statutory law is below the Constitution. So the absolute of the Second Amendment, which limits government, government, limits all government, not only in Constitution, but in statutory law. So therefore, all government, all, all gun control is absolutely prohibited because it's already outlawed by the Second Amendment, which is an absolute. Is this making sense? Well, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, and some municipality uh, don't allow liquor sales in uh, gasoline convenience stores. Uh-huh. So that's uh, that's a statutory law that they're imposing on the control, the movement, and the actions of its citizens. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Federal and government has it, no damn business in being involved in it. Right, but it, but the federal government would if it uh, infringes on a on a stated right, if it stated on a prohibition. So where we get messy in things that we think are natural rights that are not specifically prohibited by government. We'll talk about that another time. That's a, that's a Jonathan question. But the idea, I'm really starting to form this argument a lot stronger, that the Constitution, because the Constitution limits government, the idea of limiting the Second Amendment is irrational. Because the, the, the Constitution already, unless you amend the Constitution, God forbid, but it, because the Constitution has an absolute, um, where it says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not, that's an absolute. You know, the, the free speech, the government shall not make any law that abridges free speech. That's an absolute. The government shall not establish a religion. That's an absolute. So all these rights are absolute because by definition, that's what they say in the Constitution. But they're absolute prohibitions on government. They have nothing to do with the individual. My individual right to carry arms is given by God. The government is prohibited from touching that in an absolute way by the Second Amendment. So therefore, what people are really talking about is limiting your actions with guns, the use of a gun. And that is the province of statutory law. Because obviously you can't say the use of a gun is a right, because then, then bank robbery would be a right. That's directional too. So what you do is you divide uses under statutory law. So as long as the government doesn't touch your right to keep and bear, it doesn't, Second Amendment doesn't say use. As long as the government doesn't touch your right to keep and bear, they're good. They're complying with the Second Amendment. As long as there's no gun control, which infringes on your right to keep and bear, that's okay. 
gun control, but any gun control law is automatically unconstitutional because of the Second Amendment, because it is an absolute. However, well, you should be, per- you could have been a great law teacher, law, per- law professor. Oh, I couldn't afford the student loans, which is kind of ironic, given the fact that Brandon wanted to give away the student loans. That's the biggest reason I didn't go to law school. Could not afford the student loans. I couldn't. And it was a good choice, too, because, you know, I'm still poor. <laughs> but that's going to change. But, you know, this is, I want Dirk Schwartz on the show. I want to be able to talk to him about this. But everybody's free to share the show. Talk about it. But that's the difference between a statutory law, which limits behavior of people, versus a constitution, especially a bill of rights, that limits government. So the government can be limited absolutely, whereas people have statutory laws that allow for legal uses, self-defense, and allow for Ill- and, and prohibit illegal uses, carjacking. Let's bring Jonathan on. I'll play his theme in a little bit. But uh, I'm on a roll today. <laughs> see what happens when I get a little sleep. Good morning, Jonathan. What do you one, think so far? One other thing before you right, ahead, move on to, yeah. uh, oh, we're not move on. to Jonathan uh-huh. is that uh, when you're going to speak on these things, put that in the heading so that people can be attracted to it. Which and I never know what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> See, the problem with being ADHD is I, I don't know where I'm going to go. I literally make up these shows as I go along. There is no well, there's a plan, but there is. making notes on what I'm going to talk I about. Did. I did. Listen, I talked about food. I talked about the, the, that we need to have a constitutional amendment that takes away the power of government to channel our food choices, to restrict us in our food choices. I already talked about that. Let's bring it on. That would be a good hitting. And people walking by will wander in. <laughs> exactly. I tell you, before you even get started, let me play his theme now because we're going to forget it. We're going to get going. And I really like uh, I really like Jonathan's theme. So let me get down to Mosley here. M O S. Ah, here we go. Uh, there we go. What is the law? Are we under the rule of law? Does that mean those who make the laws rule us? Aren't we under the consent of we the people? where we write the laws we consent to be governed by and rule the government? Who is the law? Is it the Supreme Court, the President, the Congress, the states? Can you take the law into your own hands? Is there any time the law isn't in your own hands? In a country under a coup d'etat and a stolen government, there is no law. But there are a whole bunch of things being done in the name of law. And now, with this state of confusion and contradiction, let's try to find a way out together by using the law. Because if our government of the people, by the people, and for the people means anything, it means we the people are the law. And now, to try and make some sense of all this, and use the law as it was meant to be used to find our way back to freedom, it's time now for the legal report with Jonathan Mosley. So the big question, Jonathan, is is can we work on uh, uh, a bill of rights for food that's similar to the Second Amendment that prohibits government from infringing on our our rights and our choices and can't force us to eat bugs? That's kind of the theme today. <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean the 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 difficulty. As always, and I've got a bit of an allergy, so forgive me for uh, my voice. You, but, use um, your mute button if you, if you need to. Just just mute for a second. I can't, come right well, back. I That's can what try, I, I, Yeah, if, it, if, but but if you don't come is, back, don't that, do that. I'd rather have you on the line <laughs> than, than lose you. Then. So, yeah, anyway. so the, uh, you uh-huh. know, we have this whole whole dis- debate, and people, I think, um, 
hopefully most people who listen know this, but it doesn't hurt to, um, you know, to make sure everybody does, that when, when they were wrestling with what kind of government to have and how to have it and, and what to do, um, you know, there was this big, one of many big debates was why should there be Bill of Rights um, saying the government can't do certain things when the kind of government we design shouldn't be able to intervene in that area in the first place. So, you know, yeah. where if you say, yeah. if you say you can't, you can't regulate food in certain situations, you know, our founders would have said, you mean they can regulate food at all? You know, why, why, why are you endorsing the idea? And, and, and of course the, the growth of food safety laws mm-hmm. was late. I mean, that was like in the, in the, um, FDR era, you know, type of thing. And, and those were, again, um, bad examples, you know, never let a crisis go to waste kind of thing. You know, <laughs> there were, there were examples of, of abuses of yeah, Chicago slaughterhouses for one. Yeah. yeah. Things like, you know, things like that. And, um, so it took a long time to introduce the idea that the government should have any involvement at all in your personal life things you know like what are you going to eat i mean it's like that our founders would say how in the world would would the federal government have any any involvement in what you decide to eat um but now we've gone from that to the other extreme that um you know we have to get them their hands off so um so it's a it's a tricky thing so uh, yeah, I think I think it's it's a shame that we have to, to to consider that that they've they've gone to the point of they want to tell us what we can and cannot eat, um, and and of course and force the biggest vaccines in the food and everything else. I mean, they want to force. They're not just telling us; they're actually forcing it. And and right. another thing I was thinking too is the treaties. I don't want some international treaty superseding. So if we have it in the Constitution, it supersedes the treaties. So it doesn't matter what the president signs, whatever some you know the next Brandon Obama signs, the Constitution would still be supreme over that. That that is a very odd thing about our Constitution, and you know I, mm-hmm. I think you know maybe people overinterpret it like everything else, but yeah. Um, but 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 it is, you know I don't know why treaties are, are given. Uh, it seems like it seems like a, I can't imagine our founding fathers allowing that. Um, to slip in there as a back door. Um, well, they're not supreme. Particularly the Constitution uh-huh. supreme over treaties. Constitution supreme over treaties. No, it says it says the supreme law of the land is no, the Constitution. Out. Laws made pursuant to the Constitution. Um, <coughs> a couple other things and and treaties. So a treaty is actually treated as the supreme law of the land, which is completely crazy. I mean, Where is that? Particularly when, particularly when the the creation of the United States of America came right after, um, you know, independence from from Great Britain, and and the fear that Great Britain would still, you know, would not consider it a, a clean break, they would still be sticking their nose into us things. So why in the world would they allow treaties to have um, broad application other than just the, the you know the raw terms of what they say I, I cannot, Wait, is that, cannot admit it. Is that the supremacy clause? Because I'm looking at yeah. uh, Article no, Three. No, the reason. Where is it, it though? Well, 
the word supreme is written in lowercase in that particular clause. It was for the Indian nations because the Indians was looked at sovereign nations. They dealt with them by treaty until sometime in the early 1900s, and they went to create the ACT Acts to deal with those uh, groups. Well, that may that may that may be, and, and and like I say, people people revere our constitution, but you know it has it has more holes in it than people want to want to admit. It might have um, they might have been more explicit about it if that if that's what they wanted to do. Um, and, We're and, talking and, and about some holes sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, for, for what? Or identify them. That would be a good conversation. But the holes in the Constitution. Oh, there's lots of them. But I mean, for example, the idea of, of, of if they meant if they meant to say our relationships with reservations and native lands um, within North America, you know, they probably should have said that instead of you trying to have something really general that makes it sound like if we make a treaty with um you know with iran or something that that's going to be binding on our internal laws well that you know that those are two very different you know the, it, it's written in such a way that it's overly broad and and so that's you know that that's that's just poor drafting is when is when um um you know it's like you tell your daughter that she can't she can't drive a car when the reason you mean it is you can't drive a car after 2 a.m. Well, if, if the idea is she, you can't drive a car after 2 a.m., then you should say it. And unfortunately, a lot of times we don't. So um, that's got, where we get messed up. I got the supremacy clause here. And, and uh, let's, let's talk about because Pianchi's got a good point and Jonathan, too. And I want to just – it says this constitution. Then it says comma. So the commas are what really determine the constitution if you look at them. This constitution – and the laws of the United States which shall be made in pursuance thereof. In other words, laws that are constitutional. So the Constitution, laws that are constitutional, then it, says, it does say, and all treaties made, or which shall be made, under the authority of the United States. So under the authority, and here's the key phrase everybody forgets, under the authority of the United States means things that the, the, uh, the federal government is authorized to do. Well, that authority comes from the states. This is where Pianchi's going to love this part, right? So the states who created the Constitution, who authorized the federal government to do certain things, the Supremacy Clause only applies to things where the, authority, where the federal government has you know, authority given to it by the Constitution. So they cannot make a treaty that is outside the authority of the United States. So if they make a treaty saying we have to eat bugs you know, with another country or a World Health Organization treaty or anything like that, that treaty does not apply because that treaty was not made under the authority of the United States because they didn't have that authority. So, yes, yeah, it's but okay. Yeah, you know but they have lots of, lots of people willing to twist all those things. Yeah, well, I'm twisting it back because <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to read it. But the key phrase is under the authority of the United States. So the only things that can be done in, in the Supreme – first of all, the Constitution is the, is the supreme authority over the federal government. So what about my argument I was making earlier, Jonathan, that, that uh, the difference between uh, rights, which are absolute, uh, absolute prohibitions, you know, uh, uses of guns are not absolute because that would be absurd. And that comes under statutory law, but statutory law is under the Constitution. But the prohibition on government, that, those are absolutes. Shall not is an absolute. 
Does that make sense? Well, not not in the yeah, but not in the um, in the view of um, oh, I don't care about you know that. of the the left the left. I mean, <clears throat> in the view of 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 the leftists, <clears throat> there are no absolutes in any part of life. It's like right. because it's whatever you know. You can't but tell terms, me my feeling. Yeah, but in terms of the argument uh-huh. that I'm making, we'll, we'll consider the left in a bit. But in the terms of the argument that I'm making as a legal argument that shall not is an absolute, that uh, shall not infringe is an absolute, that the rights that we have in the Constitution, well, the rights that we have from God, um, because God is absolute, therefore the rights that God gives us uh, as our birthright are also absolute. The prohibitions in government, if it says shall not, that is an absolute. So these are all absolutes. So the government is absolutely prohibited from touching in any way our right to keep and bear arms, our ability to speak freely, our, our, our right to be free from a government religion or a government-sanctioned church. Those are absolutes. Now, the exercise of things like keeping and bearing arms, um, or well, not keeping and bearing, but the use of firearms, is outside that prohibition. So the use of firearms can absolutely be regulated by statutory law, which is under the Constitution. That's the argument I'm making, that the use, the actions that people take are governed by statutory law, but that statutory law is subordinate to the Constitution and cannot be made uh, that, in any way that infringes on the absolute rights as defined. So now the Second Amendment basically says all gun control is unconstitutional because it infringes on your, key, on your right to keep and bear, right? But, but, but statutory law of use, once you start using well, that comes under statutory law. That's a whole different argument. So that's why the Second Amendment, you can't limit the Second Amendment. There's no reasonable restrictions on the Second Amendment. There's only restrictions on what people can do when they use firearms because the, 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 the keeping and bearing part has already been determined as an absolute by the Second Amendment. I'm still formulating this argument, but you, you know where I'm going with it, right? And then we'll apply it to food. So I'm just saying that that is the argument in, in okay. many respects because, because it's a gigantic fault line. Between you know between those who who believe the the, the um, Constitution is just suggestions, uh, and those <laughs> who view it as a serious as a serious document, um, <clears throat> is that you know because <clears throat> those on the other side, you know, do not think that there's any any absolute constitutional right. <laughs> I mean, because everything that the left does, including the left of the Republican Party, is fundamentally phony. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they exist by being completely phony, by telling you you have this right, but you really don't. You know, they, they, they fuzz over. They say, yes, we, you know, we believe in, uh, I don't know, give me, you know, well, they might say we believe in the right to, you know, to the Second Amendment. And then in the next three sentences, they make it clear that they don't. They're frauds. And, and you know, the left and, and, and uh, both parties. It's in their DNA to fundamentally be frauds. So they will say things that they don't actually mean. But that goes back to my argument that the Second Amendment has nothing to do with individuals. The Second Amendment is a restriction huh? on government. So to say that you can reasonably restrict or the government does, the Second Amendment does not give you, Second Amendment doesn't give anybody a right. What I'm saying is that our rights come from God. Our rights are absolute. What the Second Amendment does is prohibits government from touching them. Therefore, the Second Amendment and people are completely separate. So to say that you can put restrictions on the Second Amendment to limit the uses of the right to keep and bear arms is absurd. That's irrational because it is an absolute. However, statutory law can, can restrict the uses of firearms and, in fact, has to restrict the uses because otherwise, you know, bank robbery would be legal. 
if the use of firearms is a right, so you separate keeping and bearing, which is an absolute prohibition on government from touching, and the use of firearms, dividing self-defense from carjacking, that's perfectly legitimate. So laws limit people, constitutions limit governments. And if we can keep that separation, I think it's an easier way to understand it. That, that's the case I'm making. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. Well, I'm just saying that is the fault line. Okay. Well, let's, let, me, let me get you on food, then we'll get you on to your topics in a bit. So how do you – and I don't think you and I have talked about this. Pianca and I have talked about this a fair bit. The UN Declaration of Human Rights, which I call the human slavery to the world government document, the difference between a human right and an individual right. How do you see that? I'm not familiar with it. What do you mean? Well, I mean, uh, um, what do you mean? I'll give you a chance. To, I'll give you a chance to think about it. Yeah, it's, I don't. I don't want to like spring this on you if you haven't thought about it. I mean, uh, do, what, do not... I think about its existence or its details? No, no, no. The difference between a human right, which is a group right, like we have a right to food as opposed to an individual right, which means we have a right to be free from government telling us what kind of food we have to eat. So the UN Declaration of Human Rights, which came about, I think, 1947, which is all these things that, uh, that they have rights and then they have responsibilities. So in other words, you have the right to free speech as long as you do it responsibly. You have, uh, you have a right to a decent income. You have a right to uh, live with dignity. They have all these things that you have your right to. Of course, nobody, nobody has a right to anything, right, except our God-given natural rights. So the natural rights are what we're, what we're endowed with by our creator. But what the UN has come along and done is totally turn it on its head. So in other words, if, if rights are human rights, when it says, well, so they'll take the constitution, let's get back in your ballpark. When they talk about the constitution saying we, the people, that means all the people of the earth. No, it doesn't. It says we, the people of the United States of America. So the constitution is only for the United States, people of the United States of America. In other words, American citizens. That's why a person from Madagascar doesn't have a right to my house simply because the UN says people have a right to housing. So the UN Declaration, we should go over it sometime. I'll give you a chance to read it over because it's really fascinating. Pianchi, Pianchi and I have talked about this before. What do, you, what do you think of this? The difference between a human right in the UN Declaration well, Americans and an individual right. Pay any attention. Americans should not pay any attention to UN declarations. And, that's just, and what you just got through mentioning is just the tip of the iceberg. You're really getting mm-hmm. deep in what they want children to be allowed to do. So leave it alone. And I agree with you. Okay. Well, let's get on. Let's, uh, Jonathan, do you have any more to say on this? or do you, I don't know if you want to delve into this. I, I pretty much covered the first <laughs> well, I, mean, on, I might on, comment on a little bit. That, I mean, sure. for, first of all, I, I called in early just to see if you were talking about me. Um, yeah. I didn't necessarily, I'm always talking about you, Jonathan. That's all I do on they, Mondays. It's just I, you in the I first feel, hour. Yeah, the voices, <laughs> the voices in my head tell me that. Um, mm, but, yeah. but, no, the um, – but, <laughs> but the, um, uh, the thing is, of course, the United – Neither countries nor the United Nations have any authority whatsoever to proclaim anything. Um, you know, they, they talk, we, everyone wants to talk about international law. And of mm-hmm. course, there's no such thing as international law. Mm-hmm. Um, there's agreements the only way that there's, and treaties. What? <laughs> but that's, that, there's, there's treaties between nations and agreements between nations. And, Correct. But that's, not, yeah. but that's not law over us. Only, the only thing that's a law right, over us right. if every, is, our, is the if government we consent to. Right. If every country in the in, in the, the world entered into the same treaty mm-hmm. about certain topics, like say the Geneva Convention, which is not universal, um, <clears throat> the um, then the, the authority of the countries to agree to abide by certain laws would be would be real, but 
there's no reality to just international law as a as a concept. Um, and 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 my point my point is that people are willing to be so sloppy, you know, that how can you expect them to get anything else right? Um, so the the UN Declaration of I mean the thing is I think we were talking last week about. Um, uh, I, I think start, you know, trying to get things at the state level. You know, there's a lot of legal reform, good and bad, mostly bad, that comes out um, from advisory groups. And, and, and a bunch of scholars get together and they publish a proposed draft uniform law on, say, contracts or <clears throat> or some or inheritance and then they try to shop, shop around and sucker the state legislatures into adopting that set of laws which sometimes which they do to varying degrees sometimes you know the the state legislatures fall into this trap by uh because they're lazy and someone's done all this work for them and it looks like oh that looks good um so we have all these state laws that aim in the same direction they're they're a hope they're a, a goal but they have no authority whatsoever unless a state legislature adopts them hmm. so you know the, the un can proclaim all these things it wants and say wouldn't it be nice if blah 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 but it of course has no actual authority whatsoever <clears throat> um and um well, the, uh, let me just jump in for a second. It's amazing how many nations have adopted the UN Charter uh, on on human rights as their basically their equivalent to the Bill of Rights. And what they've really done is they've imprisoned their own people. Canada has it. Australia has it. That's why we wrote the Australian Bill of Individual Rights as a counter to the UN Declaration of Human Rights because human rights are group rights. Considering considering that everybody's human, right. you know that that uh, in other words, every human has exactly the same rights. Well, that's absurd because because then you have countries that are communist and socialist and you know uh, theocracies like uh, like Iran. You know, the, we're not equal to them. We're totally different. But but people have adopted this charter, and people I don't think people realize how dangerous it is. They think of rights as a charter. You know, it's like when they talk about the United States being a corporation. Like, really, who who chartered us? You know, what government chartered us? <laughs> you know, of course they can't answer that. You know, but uh, but the but the UN Declaration. Well, if you get a chance to take a look at it, um, we've gone over it. Bianca and I've gone over it. Right. Um, well, Bianca and I've gone over thing, it. It's it's very dangerous. It's a very dangerous concept. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, again, be, beware of lawyers bearing gifts. Um, <laughs> you know, bringing bringing like, oh, just pass this. It'll be great. You'll love it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, you know, you have, you know, there's always, you know, there's hidden traps in there, but. Mm-hmm. What you describe as human rights, I think, comes under many different names, including one of the discussions, by no means the only one, is the difference between negative rights and positive rights. And, of course, a lot of the left-wing critics of the Constitution. Remember, we have, we have, we had a Supreme Court justice recommending that developing countries not use our Constitution as, as, a, uh, as an example. Was that Ginsburg US or, or one of the yeah. other ones? It yes, was you had Supreme, okay. I, mean, I mean, yes, maybe we shouldn't meddle in other countries' government, but to have a U.S. Supreme Court justice not believe that our Constitution is a good model, I mean, what the hell? 
Um, well, and that, that's grounds so, for removal. <laughs> that's grounds for removal. On bad yeah, behavior, that's bad behavior. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you don't even believe in the Constitution, how can you use the Constitution the way it was meant to be used and use it effectively? Yeah, that's grounds for removal. So, uh, so the thing is, we have, you know, so the critics, they mm-hmm. talk about, oh, the Constitution, it just has negative rights. But what they mean is negative rights is, is, is and it's a, it's a weird way to put it. It doesn't make sense. But no, it's their very way unfortunate. Of that, it's like progressive sounds good. Regressive sounds bad. You know, if something is negative, that, that gives a negative connotation because negative implies bad. So I would never, and right. I've never done it. I've heard Obama do this, you know, but I would never define <laughs> our rights as positive or negative because positive implies good and negative implies bad. And that's not the case. We need new right, words. But they, they say that a, a negative right is, means that you can, you know, you have a right to stop somebody from punching you in the nose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you if say I'm going to punch you in the nose, it's like no, you're not. Um, and and it and it's re- and it's relative to the government too. You know, the government says we're going to pass a law saying you have to eat bugs, and you're saying no, you're not going to do that. Um, so the government, you cannot do that. Um, and to them, that's negative. It's, it, it negates. So the negative government. is a prohibition. So negative means that the government does not have the power. Correct. Right. Uh, well, okay. I mean, it, it leads to that conclusion, but it, 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 the, you just said it the best way possible is that neg- a negative right is a prohibition on something. Then you can't okay. do this. Right. Um, and that's not negative. That's uh, actually positive. What they call a positive right uh-huh. is your right to obtain something. Right. So you have a positive right to have your student loan forgiven. Or food, you know, because you know, <laughs> or housing, what, or food, right. or housing, or income, or any of those things. Yeah, those are, but those that, aren't rights at all. What you, right. what you were describing as a human right, uh-huh. um, a lot of people would describe as a positive right, which of course is like faculty lounge trivia. Nobody knows what the hell any of that means. So oh, they're I, having I've these conversations. I, I've well, heard, but I don't use those terms. I've heard those both those terms. No, I yeah, specifically I mean, do but, not but, use them for that reason, because they're so misleading and they're, yeah, and they're wrong. And they, they're, they're having these discussions that nobody knows what it means. And, and they're just bamboozling themselves and others. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> so anyway, um, um, so anyway, that, 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 that's what I, you know, I, I do think. And, and, and of course people have pointed out the weaknesses of, of the right to obtain something. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet it, it doesn't phase their proponents a bit. They just seem to be unable to comprehend it. Um, you know, I guess, I guess it'd be nice. Like, wouldn't it be nice if everybody had a mansion and a fancy car? And like, <laughs> sure, I'll take one. I would argue there's no such thing as a positive right. Because a, because a right is what you do individually that the government cannot touch. So the right to keep and bear arms is something that you can do individually because that right comes from God. It's an absolute, and the government is absolutely prohibited from touching it. So the only rights are negative rights, but I wouldn't use that term. So those are so I would call natural rights. So it's a much better term. So the only rights you the rights you have are natural <laughs> rights endowed by your Creator. Okay, those are your natural rights. So the idea of being given something could not possibly be defined as a right or a positive right because you're taking from somebody else. If you get something from somebody else, it's not a right. It's a theft. It's a confiscation. 
So the only way that these things that these these things that the they're talking about, if the government gives you an income or food or housing and those kind of things, and calls that a positive right, it's not a right at all. It's an entitlement. It's a it's a confiscation. It's a theft. It's actually a crime. It's a government crime to take from one person to give to somebody else. Unless they're disabled or something like that. Yeah. Assuming assuming normal healthy people, you know, of working age, it is. It should be unconstitutional. To even, a, a positive right to me is unconstitutional. It doesn't exist. There is no such thing. It is, is a moot term. So there are only what they are calling negative rights. Those are rights. So what's another word then? Let's just get, I want to get Pianca in this too. What's another word for what they're calling positive rights? Entitlements? Uh, Confiscations? <clears throat> what would you call them? Redistribution? I mean, theft is a strong word, but it's an accurate description. Redistribution? I hear that. Like redistribution, redistribution of wealth. Yeah, it, 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 it's the most common down-to-earth word that people will understand is redistribution. Okay. I'll go with that. I mean, I mean it would be nice. If there was a big mountain like in the, uh, the, L, um, the Lord of the Rings, you know, uh, <laughs> sequel where they go into the, the mountain with all the gold. You know, if it's like there was this giant mountain full of gold and goodies, and and we we're having a discussion, <laughs> well, why don't we take some? I, I, why don't we take some of it out and give it to people? Well, sure, that'd be great. Of course, you might have to, you might get eaten by a dragon, but you know, but but you know, if if if, it, if we could have all these things, that would be uh-huh. great. Sure. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But 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 the idea is, of course, that <clears throat> um, there. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think a long time ago I told this, the, you know, the joking story about the, the granddaughter who goes from New York City and stays with her grandparents in the country. And, mm-hmm. and they say, look, let me show you how we milk a cow. And so they milk the cow and put it in the pail, and the granddaughter is horrified. And she says, that's not how we get milk in the city. We get it in a, in a carton. You know, they, they, they don't – and so the idea that they have all these people who, who can't comprehend that for me to take to, – to get something as a right, mm-hmm. somebody has to supply it. Now, that we've had that discussion endlessly, and yet that mm-hmm. mental break, you know, that mental black box, it just never – it never crystallizes with the left. They just they, – they cannot comprehend that, well, the government can just give – you know, give us these things. And like, well, no, it can't. <laughs> no, it can't. Um, not without, you know, not without confiscating first. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, ironically, we've done more than at any time in human history. I mean, think about, I mean, if you really look at history, and I'm, I love history, but my, I, you know, my study is sort of haphazard, but still, but if you, if you go back to the time of kings and queens, say in Europe or whatever like that, the poor in America live better than kings and queens. I mean, no, no medieval king or queen ever had a refrigerator or a microwave yeah. mm. or a television or running water. Or and dentist. so we have managed. <laughs> Let's hmm? get the basics. Novocaine. <laughs> you know, yeah. Ah, well, okay. That's an obscure reference to a, 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 a difficult problem. Uh, but the, <laughs> the, um, but the thing is, is that, um, well, I mean, toothbrushes, you know, mouthwash. Appendectomies. Um, the, um, yeah, yeah. What? Appendectomies, simple surgeries. They, they didn't have, they didn't have oh. good food. They had no, you know, yeah, they didn't have the basics. Sewerage. 
you know, they had timber pine. Right. So I mean, so I mean, we we hope that everybody. I mean, I prayed and not far. I I wish everybody could be rich. Um, and and you know, and we've come closer to that by following common sense than any time in human history. But the left is unable to comprehend it. That's an interesting um, point. What is words like equity? Hmm. That's redistribution. That's distribution. That's confiscation distribution. I don't even like redistribution because it implies it was distributed in the first place. So I, I would say I would say theft distribution or theft transfer. Or we need, we need you know me. I love inventing words. So so what they're calling positive rights is really a theft transfer. You steal it and you give it to somebody else. That's that's uh, that's uh, Robin Hood in reverse. You know, and people forget yeah, Robin Hood did not. Well, Robin Hood did not rob from the rich and give to the poor. He robbed from the government and gave people their taxes back. Well, people forget that. The, yeah. The Nottingham Forest. Mm-hmm. Action. Yeah, but let's let's talk about. But this is fascinating. But this idea of theft <laughs> distribution, or or things that you you know, like like Johnson says, that you naturally get, that you're you're entitled to. You know, in other words, well, you can't, and the left will say this too. And we had this discussion with uh, Bianca on Wednesdays. Well, you can't live without an income. You can't do this. You know, you need all this kind of stuff. Well, then go get it. It's not up to me to get it for you. That's the whole point. So what we're all we're trying to do with rights is make sure the government doesn't touch your, your natural God-given rights. That's all we're trying to do. It's a very, very different argument. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we so, need a right for food. So, I mean, we we, we right, need a prohibition on the government touching our food access. Well, I'm going to work on that. I'll be, I'll be back at you. I'm going to formulate it, but, give but you some the, ideas. But, it, yeah. uh-huh. but it's the same thing when, when you realize, like I say, that, that getting to the point where the government would be involved in your food at all uh-huh. was a, a long struggle by the left and the administrative state. You know, that, well, some the, of that's good, though. You, it, like labeling. What? Is a, like the Federal Trade Commission with labeling. That's a good thing. That's how well, we know yeah. in it. No, I mean, I'm not, I, mean, it, I mean, these things don't happen because they're thoroughly 100% bad. You know, they, they can't sell them if they're totally bad. But I'm just saying right. we've gone from one extreme to the other. Yeah, that's true. Draw the line. <clears throat> so, uh, Let's get on to your topics. We've only got about uh, 33 minutes. Right. You, you, you well, want to do gag orders? Where do, big, biggest one first. Yeah. Where do first, you want to go? First, I want to uh, – I do want to make note of um, – of, um, the, the the terrible tragedy. I mean, I, I don't know why we're not hearing like we, weeping and, and wailing from K Street. <laughs> if, if everybody knows that that at least by reputation, not literally true, that all the lobbyists in uh, D.C. are clustered around an area of um, Washington D.C. called K Street. Along, I used to work there, uh, not far from the White House. That's where um, my internship was. <laughs> What? <laughs> I don't get it. I, I, this is my internship was in Washington with the Consumer Federation of America. I used to I used to walk amongst those lobbyists. They were the ones in the really fancy suits and the limos pulling it up. And oh yeah, I've been there. Yeah, I mean, literally true. Literally, they're probably more likely to be in Crystal City, Virginia, um, or Alexandria, Virginia, or things like that. But it's just the reputation that K Street. If ever, if any, if if, if we don't already have a hundred percent of your audience and it knows that. That you know, K Street is just a euphemism for all the fat cat lobbyists and um, you know people telling the government how to spend our money. Um, mm-hmm. So so anyway, the uh, I don't know if you know I, I 
I, originally over the weekend, I wanted to have a moment of celebration. And I don't know if we could, you know, because oh, Mike please. Pence has dropped, has dropped out of the, well, that, but, but I don't know if I shouldn't. The, the thing is, I called up a friend of mine who's at the Northern Virginia Tea Party, the head, Ron uh-huh. Wilcox. And I said, can, can, can you organize some kind of celebration that Mike Pence dropped out of the presidential race? Bye, Mike. See you later, dude. You're gone. Let's give another right. one. And, 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 and so he... <laughs> Sorry. So, so he was at a dinner, and he held up the phone and said, hey, guys, you want to you wanna declare this a celebration that Mike Pence dropped out? And some of the people were like, Mike who? <laughs> like, oh, that's perfect. That is so perfect. Because the reason, perfect. you know, the thing about Mike Pence and Liz Cheney and all these people is, mm-hmm. is that they, you know, Dick Cheney, they, they really think we love them. <laughs> and, you know, we've been, we've been holding our note. I mean, I don't, I mean, duh, you know, dude, like, read the room. Um, uh, they, they, you know, we, we put up with you rather than have Mike Dukakis or some of these other people. We never, you know, we never loved you. Um, yeah. We just, you know, it was like Somebody the best was in the tank. available. Well, Mike Dukakis was driving around that tank. He, that was pretty. That was a pretty cool moment. It was so absurd. It was funny. That was the, my comedy relief for the Dukakis campaign. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. <clears throat> but but when we voted for the Republican, we did it mm-hmm. with you know with a, a clothespin on our nose, and, and these people actually think that you know they are the guardians of the true Republicanism that everybody really wants down deep and, and and like how could you be so dense i i just i just don't get it so <clears throat> so i i i don't intend to you know really make note of every candidate who drops out in fact larry elder <laughs> dropped out which i like larry elder a lot um but he wasn't gonna um, make it uh, well no, no he's, I, he's probably running for a secretary position you know, um, but but the thing ratings. is, is that the, the fact the fact that Mike Pence, like Liz Cheney, is just so pompous mm-hmm. um, that it gives me special delight to uh, to, uh, you know, to sell it to, to uh, tell him not to let the door hit him on the way out the door. Um, <laughs> well, you know what I think? Career. Yeah, that's that's a great analogy. But you know what I think? You, you want to tell a story or, or uh, uh, well, my, my my theory? And we've talked about it on the show. No, I, I don't. Go ahead. My theory is, and we talked about, we, we I did a couple of shows on this, that Mike Pence thought he was going to get the GOP nomination if he scuttled Trump. He made the deal with the devil. He made the deal with Satan. And the deal was that he would say that the, the Trump electors, I cannot rule on the Trump electors. I can't send them back to the states, which, of course, is a complete lie. That was his only choice. He was constitutionally bound to send the Trump electors and the Brandon electors back to the states and have one state, you know, have one slate of electors come back. Or his second constitutional duty was during January 6th to have an accurate count, have a proper challenge, and have, um, have the Congress decide which ones were the valid ones. And that's why the insurrection of the government started when the Arizona delegation came out, because alphabetically, that was the first battleground state that had a challenge. So Mike Pence, my theory is that he thought if he scuttled Trump, that the deep state would take care of him, that they'd make him the nominee. And he was such an idiot. He believed it. It's like when they say, oh, you, you know, I'm sure that that's to, to, uh, to Lee Harvey or Jack Ruby. You know, Jack Ruby, hey, listen, if you, if you kill Lee Harvey Oswald, well, well, you know, you'll be, you'll be great. You'll be wonderful. You'll, and then they killed him too. <laughs> you know, idiot. Right. He did the dirty work. Well, I mean, that, they, you know. 
So Mike Pence is it's like, like Jack Ruby in a figurative sense. It's like he these people he was never watched. Yeah. It's like they never watched a movie. Like you know, <laughs> dude. Yeah. You're you're next. Um, oh, do you, so, I mean, um, remember, remember, the, remember the film Shooter? Uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. And you get this old guy in Tennessee, right? And, and this, this guy's like blind. He's got like 15 different pairs of glasses. And uh, he he uh, he talked about uh, how conspiracies work. He says the uh, the people that uh, assassinated uh, John Kennedy, you know, were were buried in the desert three hours later. And and the the FBI guy says, how do you know? He says, I still have the shovel. <laughs> it's a great oh, no. Yeah, oh, yeah. Go go watch Shooter. It's it's hysterical. It's, it's the best part of the film. <clears throat> no, I anyway, mean, it is a very good. You know, I mean, it's like. You you kind of wonder if like do left wing do Hollywood leftists ever watch Hollywood movies? You know the the, the <laughs> some of them are good. The, the, v for Vendetta. Well, they are good, and they're much more conservative and common sense yeah. than anything that the leftists believe. I don't I don't know what you know how how do they I don't know. Anyway, so 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 Back yeah, we're, we're we're just kind of out of that. But mm. we started to talk a little bit about. <clears throat> Uh, the many aspects of um, the, gar- the gag orders against Trump. Oh, yeah. And what is a gag order? While we, let's, let's define that. What's a gag order, Jonathan? Well, that's a, it, it, of course, it, it is an imprecise term. Um, okay. And I just want to say that, that while, while we, do, we do, probably many of us have our preferences in the 2024 election, my reason in discussing it is, is the larger threats and abuses, not just not be, not just because it's like go you know go Trump no matter what it's it's the degradation of our legal system and principles. So um, <clears throat> a gag order is a I don't know where it came from. It's just a loose you know term of you know telling tell the judge ordering people that they can't talk during you know during a trial. And technically that means it's an injunction. Although because it's become so widespread as a, you know, a, a loose term that mm-hmm. you don't hear people talk about that. But functionally, you know, at least, you know, I'll say it if nobody else agrees with it. It's an injunction. It's a temporary restraining. Well, a temporary restraining order usually means that <clears throat> it's issued with only one side um, present, you know, like a, a judge without hearing from both sides, the judge will issue an order which which kind of happened, uh, I think, yesterday. Um, so it's an injunction, order you know, ordering them, you know, people not to talk about what's happening in court. Mm-hmm. But it obviously raises the question of, of infringing upon the First Amendment, much as we were already discussing, mm-hmm. is that the, the right to free speech does not mean that your rights are, you know, that, that, that you could just quash the right to free speech. So when there's a fundamental right, we, we've talked about strict scrutiny. The way that and 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 Bianchi was talking about, you know, what's wrong with our, where are the holes in the Constitution? Uh, mm-hmm. Most of them are, you know, are from judges pulling on the threads. Uh, but but they interpreting. They sort of we have no power to do. Yeah. Right. Right. So so they um they say that. Um, you know, how the Constitution says, I was just looking over the at some pet 
videos over the weekend where, you know, somebody tells the dog to go out. It's like, no, no, I won't do it. So the Constitution says you can't do this. You say, mm-hmm. I didn't hear that. I don't want to hear that. You know, no, I want to do it. <laughs> right. No, you yeah. can't do it. But no, I want, I want to do it. I want to do it. Yeah, I want to. So um, <clears throat> so they've, they've got this. So the way they come up, the Constitution says you may not do this. And so they say, but we want to. So we'll come up with these schemes of scrutiny. They've got rational basis scrutiny. They've got medium scrutiny. And they've got strict scrutiny. That's Which all means BS. that it's, it's all illegal. Uh-huh. All the, we've talked about this. These, all these tests are illegal. It's not constitutional. Yeah. They do it, but it's not. It's not constitutional. Right. It's made up. But it's, it's how they have developed systems for dealing with, you know, how to pretend to obey the Constitution. So, um, so strip. But but when it comes to certain rights, are more important than other rights. Why? I don't know. You know, they just they've just designated that like for the First Amendment back when they loved it, the left loved it, the media loved it, and they actually cared about free speech. Um, they they treated they, they they elevated the First Amendment to you know a super right, and um, and then other rights, say Second Amendment, <clears throat> they'll treat it you know they'll treat it as as a very low right. So to, to violate certain rights, you need a very low standard. Just, it just has to, be a, um, it has to be a regulation that is not completely irrational. I kid you not. Oh, uh, I rational that, but, basis. Since, but since we proved that all rights are absolute, that the rights we have as individuals are God-given, God being absolute, our, rights are, our natural rights are absolute, and that const- when the Constitution says <laughs> shall not, that is an absolute prohibition. The idea that an absolute prohibition can be either strict or not quite so strict or, or moderate or whatever they want is an irrational argument. You know, well, it's the, like it, taking it, an absolute it, thing. It, it's it, not. A, it, it, we've already proved that what, it, everything that they're doing is wrong. Go ahead. But, but no, it, it, it's partially, sometimes, maybe absolute. <laughs> Absolutes are absolute. It's, it's, There's nothing. Yeah, let that sink in. it's partially absolute. Yeah. Um, the uh, can, you know, depending think, upon. But the confusing it's like actions I said, you, with. Uh, me, uh, go ahead. You've asked me some questions at times. I said, well, is the you know is the is the person affected a Democrat or a Republican? Um, they, uh, you know, it, it just kind of comes down to, I mean, it's, I, I, I'd like to, you know, I spent years trying to make sense of this stuff. <laughs> I, you know, I was in law school in the nineties. I tried to figure out like, how does this make any sense? And I couldn't figure it out. So well, may, maybe somebody else is smarter than me. I don't know. Well, this is the argument that I use and I don't, you know, uh, I, I separate actions from rights. So a right mm-hmm. is absolute. Okay, a natural right, a God-given natural right is an absolute. When the Constitution says shall not, will not, cannot, that's an absolute. But these are prohibitions on government. So they're, they're confusing. It's like, you know, talking about uh, an illegal immigrant. Well, that, that's, that's a that's <coughs> rational term because uh, immigrants are legal by definition. Okay, illegal aliens are illegal. They're criminals by definition. You cannot have an illegal immigrant. In the same way, you cannot restrict the Second Amendment and, 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 put, in, and put limitations on people because the Second Amendment doesn't apply to people. It applies to government. The only thing you can apply to people are actions. 
So therefore, the use of a gun, like in Maine, for example, you know, the murders, the assassinations that were done in Maine, that had nothing to do with the Second Amendment. That was the, the illegal use of a gun in statutory law. But that has nothing to do with our natural rights from God and the prohibitions, the absolute prohibitions on, con, on, on, the, on the government from touching our natural rights from God. And that's the distinction I'm making. People's actions come under statutory law. Rights come under constitutional law. Rights limit government and, and uh, action, statutory laws limit people. Constitutions li- limit government. Uh, laws limit people. And if you keep that separate, everything else seems to make sense to me. That's why I'm making that division well, so prominent I- in pretty much everything I'm talking about now. I think you alluded to, I thought, thought you were saying earlier to be, when I came on that uh, um, you were having me on to bring the confusion. Uh, but um, if... Um, no, actually comedy. If, That's why I bring you on. So, so the, thing, the thing is, is that it's, um, um, it's um, a little, little more confusing because, you know, we're living this out right now in mm-hmm. like the January 6th cases and every, everything else because, you know, because... Well, see, okay, a lot of <clears throat> a lot of uh, laws are based on intent. Mm-hmm. So let's say let's say that you work in Congress and you disrupt uh, events in Congress because you um, you uh, propose to your girlfriend in the rotunda. And all the all the terrorists start applauding and scree- squealing and, and then things like that. <laughs> Are they terrorists or tourists? Tour- <laughs> I'm sorry. Tour- so, but so the thing is, you 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 disrupted. You were disruptive, but oh. not with the intent to obstruct an official proceeding. Mm-hmm. So part of the part of the statute apply, is activated, but other parts are not. So a lot of times it comes down to like, you know, what's your intent? And what they're doing is is saying like, well, you were standing there and you said something we don't like. So the action is somebody poked their head in the Capitol building and they were standing there. Mm -hmm. But the proof of the rest of the crime is they exercised free speech and what they said. um, And they'll, they'll like, tell it in horrified terms to the jury. It's like they said something we don't like. So, so the act, the, there's an action involved, but, it, but, but the intent required to make it a crime is their exercise of free speech. And, you know, they don't think like we do. Yeah. Well, John Delica was on, who does the, the Women's Academy uh, Firearm Report on Fridays, and he said something really interesting. He talked about in order for something to be illegal, there has to be, I guess, the three things, motive, opportunity, and jeopardy. So you have to have the opportunity, so like robbing a bank, being in the bank, or you have to have the, the ability, I think it is, you know, there was carrying a gun, for example, and then you have to put somebody in jeopardy. So if you're, if you're uh, uh, carrying a concealed firearm to a bank, that's not a crime. But if you go in, and as, as he explained, if you go in with a ski mask and give a note to the teller, you know, that's, now you've got a crime. Now you put somebody in jeopardy. So what's that legal principle? And I forgot those three, right? Is it like jeopardy, opportunity, that and I think principle. ability? What's that, Pianchi? Do you remember that when we talked about it's that like Friday? In a professional, it's, like in a professional, it's like in a professional fight when the referee tells you to protect yourself at all times. Um, 
Yeah, that's a little different, though. I think we're talking about. I want to, but but John Delmonico mentioned something very specific. And Jonathan, do you know what I'm talking about? I think isn't that in criminal law that it's not a bank robbery until you put somebody in jeopardy? You have to. There's three components to a crime, right? Have I got that right? Oh, or is that I something don't know different? if it's that neat. I don't know if it's that neat and clean. Oh, well, that's um, how you explain it. Okay, well, that's that's good to know then. All right. Um, I mean, in in certain situations, it, it <clears throat> might be, but. But but it, but it would be an example, an example where, for example, um, if if somebody you know if somebody one person goes up and beats on another guy, is that a, is that a crime? Well, what if they were both voluntarily engaged in a in a, in a boxing match? Mm. Now it totally changes. Yeah. And and so what? So a lot of these laws depend upon the intent and the motivation and the context, you know, so, so if, if I just go up and I beat on somebody out of the blue for no reason, I'm going to jail. Um, so, um, so if someone pulls a knife on you and then you beat the crap out of them, hopefully, right. That's self-defense, same action. Yeah. Well, I, I want to get, I want to, Pianca to explain this point in a minute, but we only have limited time. And I want to get back to the, the whole idea of a gag order. As I understand it, I, I just I wrote, looked this up oh, last week sometime, that the whole point is to either protect the people in, on trial, to not prejudice the jury, or basically not give away information that's going to hurt the legal proceeding. So it's really limited to the legal proceeding. It's literally limited to the court case. And, and a gag, as we know what kidnappers do when they put a, you know, a handkerchief in your throat and they, they stop you from talking. So a gag order stops you from talking. So in terms of gagging, you know, legally uh, or, or, or issuing a gag order against uh, President Trump, that to me is a complete First Amendment violation because unless he's speaking about something about the trial, the judge has no jurisdiction. The government, well, including the judge, cannot make any action um, that... Uh, make any law, in other words, a judicial order against uh, free speech. Right. Well, the thing is, is that's where I got, I, I kind of got us off track and you helped a lot. Uh, but, oh, but the, but the, I usually because do. the idea to Good. analyze an injunction, a gag order, a, it, it's a collision with the first amendment because he has the right to speak, but they're saying, but we can limit that because of specific reasons for the integrity of the trial and to do that they have to they have to analyze strict scrutiny they have to say that there's a compelling state interest in restricting the speech they have to show that the regulation or the gag order is the least restrictive way to do it Mm -hmm. it has to be narrowly tailored to that to that purpose and you know and then and then they have to evaluate it now for an injunction you have to have a balancing act. You have to evaluate the burden on the the person who would be restricted, and you have to evaluate the burden on the person who wants the restriction. Then you, you have to you have to do a balancing act between the two of them. And there's also this odd requirement of what's in the public interest. I don't know how that got in there, but. <clears throat> Um, oh, that, that's the catch-all. That's where the government gives themselves permission to do anything they want. There is no public interest from government. There's no, the, the only well, public interest is what people decide for themselves as a group, right, as but, individuals but with a group effect. But the thing is that for, yeah. for an injunction, which uh-huh. I, you know, I insist a gag order is, um, all four of those things have to be in favor of the injunction. Hmm. If it fails on one, the injunction fails. 
and, and, and often gets overturned. Yeah, but so, those, those tests know, are illegal. Has anybody ever gone to the Supreme Court and said the strict scrutiny, the, the public interest, <clears throat> the, the, the least restrictive, all of that's unconstitutional? Has anybody ever argued that that you know of? Yeah. Yeah, it's been, oh. I mean, because they, they argued about it when it was first created, and they've fussed about it since then. But the point, the point is, is that, is that in order to have an injunction where you're not even colliding with the First Amendment, you have to prove that the burden on the restricted person is relatively light, and the burden, if we don't act, would be very severe, and the balancing act is in favor of the injunction, and, and think, but when it comes to a gag order, it's even worse because you're colliding with the First Amendment. You're saying, you're saying that, a per, that Donald Trump is not allowed to talk. So it has to be, it has to, you know, be an even more severe test <coughs> dealing. But just saying he's not allowed to talk a, in an election of all things. It's even worse because it's an election. But the judge has no right. ability. Gag orders have to be limited. In other words, they have to be very strictly limited to, I'm not talking about strict scrutiny or limitation of rights, but if you're going to do something to preserve other people's rights in a trial by not having a uh, prejudicial jury or things like that, if it's, as long as it's limited to the trial, I don't have a problem with that. That makes sense. But the minute you go right. on anything outside the trial, that judge has absolutely no jurisdiction. Donald Trump can say anything. Right. He can even say the judge is, is full of it. That's okay. Like, as, as, as some people are pointing out, go ahead. That, that, that the, the gag order does not even require what Trump says to be untrue. So the terms of the gag order are written so huh. sloppily and over the, that if he says something that is accurate, he's violating the gag order. Do you have the gag order? Can you, is, it, is it possible to, to read like the, the main sentence or something, or is it like 50 pages? I, I'd have to pull it. I, not, not in the time we have available. I, I, um, okay. But I have to pull it up again. But, <clears throat> the, um, but the thing is, is that, for example, the gag order restricts um, criticism of the prosecutor. Hmm. Now, that has, there is no valid reason in a trial for saying that the prosecutor's feelings would be hurt. You know, a, a, proper, a proper gag order would be something like there's a witness who is a former, you know, mafia man, and, and he, he's going to be whacked if, if um, people know that he's going to testify. They yeah. could say, okay, you have to give, you know, okay, so I'm going to give you a gag order that says mm-hmm. you can't reveal the identity of this witness. Yeah. But a generic gag order says you can't talk about any, anyway. So like here they're trying to say that, Trump is talking about some of the witnesses. Well, the witnesses haven't been identified. Hmm. So how is he supposed to know who the witnesses are? But the likely witnesses they're talking about have been, and we mentioned this last week, have been all over the television. It's like the most dangerous place to be is between uh, Bill Barr or, you know, Mike Pence or the people in a a television camera. You know, they're going to bowl you over to go talk about. So that person should not have any protection. They have voluntarily, you know, blasted Trump for two and a half years. Not just talking, oh, I know this guy, Donald Trump. No, savaged him. So to say that they can do that, but he can't respond, that violates the First Amendment, the least restrictive means. It violates, you know, there there is no no, um, compelling state interest in, in only one side of the story. 
there, there's no compelling state interest in, in whether the, you know, Jack Smith's feelings are hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's, you but know, there's no, there, there, but there's, again, it's an irrelevant. I know you're explaining it. It makes sense. I know because that's the, that's what the current law says. But quite honestly, that those tests don't exist as far as I'm concerned. So the only thing they can protect, um, like like attorney-client privilege. You know, in other words, if the judge said that, uh, you know, we're going to like the opposite would be like ungagging an attorney saying you have to tell us what uh, what you guys talked about. And that's something that's been violated all the time, too. But is it the attorney client privilege is is a gag is like a legal gag because the attorney is is gagged right. from from from, you know, from relating what they talked about with their client. So that's, well, that's, that's a good sense of how it's used, say, right? Yeah, the law, the lawyer could say, look, I would love to tell you, but I can't. Yeah. Because because the the attorney client privilege belongs to the client, not to the attorney. Right. Um, and you know, and, and so he could say, look, I don't care what you threaten me with or what you say or whatever. You're like, I am not allowed. Um, that that's true. Um, and um, but 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 I say that that the the the, the terms of the gag order. Now, like I say, if, if the gag order is um, that. You know, the witness that has a uh, mafia contract out to kill him is going to arrive at 930 tomorrow morning through the back entrance. And you're not allowed to talk about that. Hmm. That would be that would be valid. But a but a gag order that says you can't tell the voters why the accusations against Trump are bogus. That is that is election interference. It's it, it it's unconstitutional in, in, for all the reasons I've said is that is that you can't say you can't say that we can savage Trump for two and a half years and he's not allowed to 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 give his side of the story. Right. So it's not. Well, so this racist. isn't actually a gag order, then, is it? This is this isn't a gag order. This is actually just an oppression of speech uh, in an election. This is a political persecution. This is turning Trump. This is a political prisoner thing. I think I stepped on Peter. I'm going to get to you in a second. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Yeah, tell me what your comment. But to me, I, I believe this is this is a, this is just like locking up J six people. This is this is creating a pr- a political prisoner of Donald Trump by imprisoning his speech. Bianca, what do you think? I, it, it's racism. What we see happening to Donald Trump. Until How's people start using language like that to identify what you see, and only thing missing is a particular shade of color. No, it's racist what's happening to Donald Trump. And, you know, Jonathan, what is the method that should be uh, applied to punish judges and send a message that they are completely beyond the scope of reason? Well, it's been decided that judges are immune, and judges are the ones who decided that they're immune. You know, judges just invented this idea that they have immunity. Um, Judges do well. well, yeah, they, 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 they made, they the made up their own. Yeah, no, actually, uh, John Delmonico, who I he, you should have called him. He's only got five minutes, so we'll have to do it another time. John, you're welcome to call in our Monday sessions. But uh, he, he said he wants to write a bill that would take away immunity, prosecutorial immunity. Uh, well, he should. Um, I mean, there's no, there's no statutory basis. Right. It's just, it's just like patting yourself on the back. There's no basis mm-hmm. for it. But, yeah. but the thing is, is that, the one thing that's needed, it, like I keep saying, is I don't see I don't see Trump's lawyers out there swinging. Mm. So, you know, one thing you have to because because even if you want to escalate it, mm. you have to have laid the groundwork in the trial. 
If you go okay. to an appeal court and you bring something up and they say, well, this is the first time you're bringing it up, they won't hear it. And that's harsh. And, but but if, you didn't, if you didn't fight about it in the trial, uh-huh. the appeals court says, we're not going to talk about it. We're not, I mean, because... Unless it's new, maybe. What if it's new evidence huh? or, or new evidence or new discovery maybe, or something? Maybe, but the thing, they'll, they'll probably want to send it back to the trial court because the appeals court okay. judges are lazy. And they're going to say, well, we want someone to do all our work for us and hash <laughs> it all out and then give it to yeah. us you know, all tied up with a bow. And then we'll, you know, and then we'll do something stupid with it. Um, yeah. But... Um, you know, but, but well, they, they, there's this principle that they don't want to take up an issue that has not been thoroughly hashed through by the lower court. Well, that that's generally sounds like it makes sense. Um, we've got a few it, extra minutes. Dorothy just told me she's going to be a few minutes late, and I, I want to get to the coerced <laughs> it, confessions. But go ahead, Jonathan. It sounds, it sounds like it, but, you know, in, in reality, it, it creates more problems than it, than it, than it helps. Oh, okay. But but the thing is is you know but the the, the point is is that and it's, you know Trump's attorneys and all these January six attorneys they have to be holy terrors in the trial because if they don't their their appealable issues are lost. Well, let me and, ask you about the coerced confessions then because we just had Sidney Powell and Jen Ellis totally betray everything they believe. We, uh, you weren't on the show. It was, it was one of the days last week. Pianki was there. And we talked about the fact that, the, the, well, they, I talked about it. They reminded me of like POW, you know, confessions on video from North Vietnam. I hate the yep. American people. The, the blessed people of North uh, Vietnam are, are, you know, are right. And all. And we knew they didn't believe it. I don't think for a second that either Jenna Ellis or, or Sidney Powell believed a single word that they were saying. These were rehearsed, coerced, extorted confessions to crimes that they did not commit. So now how does that play? I think that's the best. Well, the thing is, the, the thing is, first of all, they were, I mean, w- what they had to plead guilty to as crimes are, you know, are like traffic violations compared to what they were facing if they didn't plead deal. I mean, the, the, what's interesting is for about three or four of these defendants now, the prosecutor has, has given them ridiculously light um, crimes compared to, mm-hmm. to what she they indicted them for, which is very curious. Like if you if you thought if you thought these were valid charges, why did you drop them down to nothing? Yeah, when, that's, that's, when that's my question pleading? too. Why if they're not valid? So now, is there anything in, in that you can do as a lawyer to say, look, if you're knocking a if you're knocking a murder charge down to jaywalking, then the murder charge never had any validity, or you're never serious I, about it. There, there should be an ethics complaint against the prosecutor to begin with. But it's got to be more yeah. than that, though. Isn't that prosecutorial oh, yeah, misconduct? You know, if you're, if, you're doing, if you're threatening somebody with a higher charge, knowing damn well it's a bogus charge, simply because the, these people are going to be bankrupt, they're going to have a bogus jury, they're going to have a bogus judge, the, the, it's stacked against them, it's a star chamber trial, it's all false for the sole purpose of extorting a confession out of them that you can use as a propaganda piece in the upcoming election, that none of that is legal. That's all right. extortion. Well, it's, been a, it's been a controversy for a while, and it's not kind of unresolved. Um, well, I mean, we people resolved have it. We got a bill that fixes it. You know our bill that fixes it, right? Our investigation, our, our defense equity bill? We've got oh, a yeah, bill that right, takes care right. of all that. Yeah. Right. No, but it, it, it is a serious abuse. And there have been, you know, there have been even, you know, there's like Supreme Court justices who have, 
who have um, what do they where say? Where are they? Where are they? They're minority confessions. They're minority opinions. So, like one one minority opinion, what what I forget by who, is that if you squeeze, you know, a wit uh, <clears throat> a witness slash defendant hard enough, they may sing, but if you squeeze them too hard, they may compose. Meaning that, you know, they may, you know, there's a difference between telling what happened and making mm-hmm. stuff up. Oh, I see. And of course they make stuff. That guy, we have evidence that, that we have, I mean, we have, um, I, I, I have, I know of a January 6th defendant who um, was told, was pressured to make stuff up, um, but won't go, won't allow the attorney to, to run with it, to expose it. Um, so sometimes people, it's, it's hard sometimes to establish a new law and to find somebody willing to fight, fight for the principle. <laughs> um, Here's the problem, though. This is, this, you know, if, uh, if you make a contract under duress, in other words, you know, if the godfather comes and says, you know, your name is going to be on this paper or your brains are going to be on it, that's a forced, that's a forced contract. That, that's unenforceable. Right. But in, in the same way, confessions where they beat out a confession, you know, the old rubber hose in the basement, those confessions were invalid. So why is it these these confessions that we know are invalid? We know they don't believe it. How can how can these even be considered? And why are these people up on charges for extorting confessions that we know aren't true? And then they know they know aren't true. These aren't valid. Well, uh, well and and they the, <clears throat> um because you, you 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 don't really have any rights if you don't if you don't pursue them. You know you you, you could have a right maybe to go go get a refund, uh, but you don't go go over and get it. So then you can't complain so, later when it when it expires. Is that is that what you're saying? Kind of thing like that. Well, I mean, yeah, because if they if they don't um, if they don't stand up for themselves, then those principles you said don't don't mean anything you have you have to go and pound the table and say that you know i was but these are lawyers back. i've met Sidney powell i actually carry t-shirts for her at the cpac that's how we met was kind of i was just helping her out but i mean jenna ellis these are not stupid people these are good lawyers jenna ellis was there with rudy giuliani you know during all the hearings proving that the election was complete fraud how could she then make this crying statement? Oh, boo-hoo's, woe is me. I'm sorry. I misspoke. I didn't know. They didn't tell me. Wah, wah, wah. We know she's lying. That whole confession's a lie. Couldn't that, where's the Supreme Court? So wait a minute. These are coerced confessions. They're, they're, uh, they're illegal. We can't, we're, just, we're throwing them out. We're throwing out the charges. They're right, the yeah, they, don't, they don't do anything unless it's brought to them. They, they don't volunteer um, to get involved. Oh. You know, which again is well. That's is, a problem. You know, Where's another? How yeah, about a district judge or, or, or uh, uh, who would be the next level? So this is a criminal court. So who is it? It's federal court. Is it federal or state court? They're, they're making these confessions. <clears throat> I think those were Georgia. State so court. Georgia. So who would be? Now we know the governor could fire the prosecutor, but he doesn't because he hates Trump. So where's the Georgia Supreme Court? Yeah, well, they 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 should well, get involved. But, but like I say, they, well, that's, they, they've, yeah. got, they've got this mentality that they should be very hesitant to get involved until all the all the you know all the facts are in, which makes sense. Except it it has the result of what you're saying. It lets you know it lets the uh, the mice run riot um, while the cats are away. 
So, but there's a time constraint um, too. It, it's like the the laptop story. If you don't deal with the laptop story before the election, it doesn't matter. The Durham committee. I said this when the Durham committee was chartered and it was six months before the election. I said if Durham doesn't have his results up before the election, it's meaningless. He took four years. That was a right. meaningless investigation because he wasn't out in time. So time is a critical factor. It's like if a witness is dying of cancer and they only have two weeks to live and you, you give a continuance for six months, you've just, you've just destroyed the case. It's the same right. thing here. There's a time element involved. We've got primaries starting in January. So the idea that you can, you can put some, any kind of restrictions on Trump speaking about the election, which has nothing to do with these bogus charges, these charges are bogus anyway, to me is completely illegal. And all these folks, and Pianca, I want to get your word on this too, but the, all these people need to be thrown in jail. They can't do this. This is a t- complete right. sabotage of our judicial system. This, well, this I, isn't I, legitimate. I'm, They're just making it up because they don't I want would, Trump elected. I would expect Every judge involved knows perfectly well what you just described, and okay. they're fine with it. And they don't care. See, that, but, that, you know, for that example, to me when, is grounds for removing them. Go ahead, Jonathan. And it's, well, te- I mean, tech, when, when Texas and, and 20, well, I think 19 other states mm-hmm. sued uh, for the failure, you know, the violation of Article 2, Section 2 in the 2020 election. Which um, is you know, state I, legislators control the elections, right? Just to make right. sure people know. And, okay. uh, you know, and, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, Action Radio is one of the amicus briefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, one of the uh, friends that were in the amicus brief we filed, I kept watching the date. Mm-hmm. And they kept delaying their initial conference until mm-hmm. after it was too late. Right. So that, so, so that is unconstitutional. Oh. Because the Constitution yeah. Article 3 says that disputes between states, they have primary jurisdiction. They have to take the case. So the only two people I know who voted for that were, were Sam Alito and Clarence Thomas. Those are the only two people who sh- should have stayed on the, on, on the Supreme Court after that was done. Everybody else should have had their asses thrown off. Right. For bad but behavior, the, but for the violating the Constitution. If, yeah. If you watch the date, like the, the date when they, they first scheduled it for the initial conference, that means the justices read it, and then they get together and they talk about it, and they decide, you know, make their initial impressions of what they're going to do. Um, and that was, you know, initially that was before January 6th, and then they moved uh-huh. it to, you know, I think like January 5th, and they moved it to January 8th, and they moved it to like, you know, later in January. Um, so they should have heard that before January 6th. Right. And it might have, who knows, it might have changed the way January 6th went. No, they would have so they, they anyway. Know they would have done it differently. <laughs> I mean, the, the whole coup was designed to overturn the, uh, the Trump electors. So they would have found, but that well, would but have put it, made it a lot tougher. They would have had to have another way to do the coup. But the Supreme Court, I mean, but the Supreme Court knowingly and intentionally delayed the case until mm-hmm. it was moot. Prime. Dorothy's here, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of sum up here. We got some, All right. This is actually this worked out perfectly. We had a little bit of extra time, so I'm really glad we covered this. So okay, um, great. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. That was good. Thanks, Jonathan. Exactly. Good night, Jimmy. Right. Goodbye, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for your input, Pianki. Appreciate it. Let me scroll down and get. Uh, uh, I, I was so into my discussion, I forgot to queue up my uh, my new report. So now we're going to totally change. If I, got, I think I have some suggestions for Dorothy, but as I tell all all the folks that report on Action Radio. Your choice. You decide what we report on. Uh, I offer suggestions, but uh, you don't have to take them. <laughs> but sometimes they're pretty good, so let's go. All right, time to mellow out. Sex. 
Everybody talks about it. Some of you are even doing it. But are you really talking to the person you are doing it with? It all comes down to communication. That's where Dorothy Diana comes in. Dorothy is a sexual health nurse educator. She has studied hypnotherapy, Reiki, and many other disciplines. And what is sex without sensuality? Something has to light your afterburner. Join us now for a sometimes very frank and occasionally quite descriptive conversation of sex and sensuality with Dorothy Diana. Oh, I just hear some background noise. Yeah, I, I do, you know, make your line live a few minutes, before, yeah, a few seconds before I just so we're all queued up and ready to go. Um, but uh, oh, what yeah, did you hear? Music, I just heard like sound like a, a, a tone or something like that. Nothing bad. Don't worry about it. But hmm. just, uh, always I'm try to keep the background room. noise down. Yeah, well, it's okay. maybe you're There's hearing no things. Mm, um, I don't think so. <laughs> other than the usual voices in my head, but other than that, I think I'm okay. But I tell you, that music's like therapy. We have to have a discussion of sex music. You know, we've so done that, uh, that sound frequency, we did that, and that was a we did fun that already? discussion. And oh that's my funny. Well, yeah, we did sound frequency, and I kind of love that. And we haven't visited that in over, like, way over a year. And it's okay. very healing. You've been on that long? I love it. Uh, you've been on for over a year. Oh my god, where does the time go? That's fascinating. I had no idea. I don't know. I'm getting younger. I don't know about you. Oh, I'm getting younger too. I just turned sixty-four. <laughs> do 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 do. Will you still feed me? Will you still need me when I'm sixty-four? Boom boom. <clears throat> there we go. I'm keeping my day job. Don't worry. I'm not going into like singing. I just you know guitar playing. Yeah. So I, I threw a bunch of stuff at you, and you have your own stuff you want to do. So. Uh, well, this morning not, you mentioned yeah. guns and sex. But by the yeah. morning of, I usually, I usually already have the direction I'm going, and okay, we'll um, do a future week. It's too early really anyway. Come, yeah, that doesn't really come up in my day to day explorations either. Okay, someone's mm. being. Did you hear it? I, I, Can I you heard hear that. It? Oh gosh. Yep. You know why? Because um, they came. They like to plan uh, when to come. The contractors. They like to plan it. They wait until I'm. On the really in the middle of something that can't be interrupted. <laughs> it's like they're lurking, they're lurking outside my house. And they're oh, like, wow. oh, this is perfect. She's, She's going on the air. air. Let's come. Yeah, exactly. So let me, let, me just, uh, let me just say something real quick to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll vamp. What have I got to vamp with here? Nah, just I, I, I don't I don't get us out of the mood, but this is so much fun. Actually, this is uh, it's such a contrast, and this is interesting. This is, uh, one of the things I like about Action Radio is the fact that we do change gears so incredibly. I mean, that was a really heated discussion. Uh, it was good with with Jonathan okay. Bianchi. Oh, there we go. So I'm just I think, I'm out of political yeah. mood. I'm back in I'm into sex mode now. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, no, it's, then my voice changes. I feel differently. I breathe. You know, it's such a relief <laughs> so after my, all the um, heavy stuff. The two hours before my you. Tile guy, my tile guy, Carlos, is here, and he's very mm-hmm. talented. And um, I moved into this house last May, mm-hmm. and I tore up the floors and put in this beautiful limestone tile in the entryway. Ooh. But they started it, and then they kind of disappeared. And I hear that's really normal. Like, they started it, and then, like, crickets. So, <laughs> what do you mean they started um, it? Then they went back across the border or what? I'm just kidding. No, no, he's he's a citizen. He he works with a, a friend of mine who became a contractor recently, and so mm-hmm. I like to give them work. But um, yeah, yeah, they still you know they'll sign it, and then you give them the deposit, and you got it all, and then they start it, and then 
I guess they have a lot of other jobs. But it's, it's kind of comical. So now I'm at this point. I'm like, yes, yes, come whenever. Yes. You know. Yeah, finish the house. Um, yeah, right there in the show. It. Just finish yeah. it. Okay. So I can have my well, house. Um, so yeah. today, do you want to mm-hmm. talk about food and libido and sex and supplements? Well, so we, the first two hours are on food. Well, actually, we had a discussion on, on mm. food. In other words, the uh, the UN, the, the Charter of Human Rights, you know, they give you all these things that you're supposedly entitled to, but that's not what a right is. A right is what you choose for yourself that the government can't touch. And so the discussion we had was on the, the so-called mm. right to food that the leftists are pushing, um, which isn't a right at all, be, you know, because you can't have a right if someone else has to give it to you. Then you're, you're, you're distributing from them. That is so them. interesting. You're, oh, well, listen Wait, to the first okay, couple so hours. Help me understand. Yeah. Well, I sure. can't, but so just tell me. I'll tell you um, quickly. All right. So the UN, <laughs> go ahead. Questions? No, no, I'm just laughing at me being oh. learned helplessness. Just tell me. No, it's okay. The, the UN Charter of Human Rights is a, basically a world slavery document to the United Nations world government based on everybody being a group. And what they say is that you're entitled to you know, free ho- or a certain amount of housing, food, income, things like that. Um, and that's what gives you your dignity uh, as a human being. So a human right is you have a certain standard mm. of living that that's they will give you, okay, that they will give you. So that's the cash Mm-mm. they will give you. In other that words, doesn't work. You have the, of course not. And what they'll say is you have the right of free speech, but you have to use it responsibly. In other words, you can't say misinformation. That's a bunch of BS. So rights, we talk about how rights are, rights are from God. <gasps> yeah. Okay. Now, wait a minute. Now, yes. here's, here's the country. Here's the contrary argument. Okay, rights are from God. God is absolute, right? So therefore, the rights from God are absolute. So therefore, the prohibitions on government touching your rights is just as absolute because the Bill of Rights has nothing to do with you or me as an individual. It's an absolute prohibition on government. Shall not is an absolute, okay? When it says shall not infringe, that's an absolute. So the government cannot touch your rights. and Your ability to do something is yours. Now, how you act is something totally different. That's statutory law. So in other words, you have an absolute right to keep and bear arms that the government cannot touch because of the Second Amendment, which only affects government. It doesn't affect you or me. We already have that right. God gave it to us, right? And so, but you can't do anything you want with a gun. That would be stupid, right? So bank robbery is illegal and defending yourself is illegal. So that's the difference between statutory laws on people and constitutional prohibitions, which are absolute on government. Now, when it comes to food, they want us eating bugs, all right? So what I'm saying is, what I'm proposing is, is a constitutional amendment, something like the Second Amendment, that says that the, the uh, government shall not restrict, coerce, uh, or in any way program or determine or mandate our food. In the same way, they can't touch our right to keep and bear arms. They cannot touch our right to um, grow and access food or something like that or, or access food. So in other words, you can't be mandated to eat bugs. You cannot be mandated to eat meat with uh, COVID shots in it. You can't do any of that stuff. All that stuff's going to be unconstitutional. Well, they're not the going to tell us count. that has COVID shots in it. They're not going to tell us that. It's already in it. COVID shots are already in it. They're food. not going to tell us that, though. Nobody's well, see, that's the other, but there's, another, there's, a, there's a disclosure you know, point of this also that would come under statutory law. So the labeling laws are generally pretty food. good. We just have to raise our own food. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get back to let's yep. talk about food and sex because this is going to be much more fun. So food, and I was talking, uh, uh, what was it, uh, nine and a half weeks? <laughs> that ridiculous So movie. testosterone levels in men, as you know, decline with age, starting about age 30, right? Uh-huh. And we have an epidemic of this know. in the country. Yeah. We have an epidemic of this in the country, and uh-huh. um, contributing factors are the absolute chemicals everywhere that 
that actually right. are castrating chemicals that's in our water and in our food. Um, but obesity is another big contributor to, as you know, mm-hmm. ED. And um, because we've talked about it, not as yep. you know personally, ED. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> well, no, what, what actually, well, I'll, I'll, I'll um, tell you my own personal story. Many of the pharmaceuticals story, contribute. I feel Many of the pharmaceuticals really contribute yeah. to it. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, what? I feel really young. And, and so because I, I live a natural life, uh, some of these declines we're talking about because I'm, I'm losing weight, you know, because I eat healthy, because I have minimal chemicals. You know, we don't even have fluoride in our water here. I mean, so many things. Uh, I, I want to find out that if you lead a natural life, is the testosterone decline uh, as much as it would be and it couldn't be? You know, it's like, you know, why would you need Viagra? If, you, if you're at the right weight, you exercise, you eat healthy, you know, I would say that 99% of the men that are on Viagra don't need it. If you're in that lifestyle, but if you're not in that lifestyle, if you're eating chemical, so, if you're chemicaling yourself and overweight, then you probably do. But you're, but it's like a ventilator when your chest is filling with fluid instead of draining the fluid, you're trying to pump it out with air. It's the wrong, it's the wrong solution. Boost your testosterone. So other pharmaceutical, that's the right solution. So pharmaceuticals, yeah. okay. so pharmaceuticals also can contribute to low testosterone. So we've had. Um, when I was looking in cardiology in the early 2000s, we had almost all of the patients on statin drugs, um, and that now is known to um, decrease testosterone levels. What are the they? active ingredient Roundup? Roundup, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, herbicide, Doxin. which is on everything, which is on everything, completely mm-hmm. interferes with the testicles' ability to make t- testosterone. Um, so, number one before we talk about food and supplements is decreasing the chemical load in your environment, in your house. That is not that hard to do. Um, You replace all your cleaning products with natural cleaning products. Um, Mm -hmm. I've done this for years. I do have bleach on the side in case I have a problem and that's okay. I feel like it's like diet. You can have a piece of chocolate cake every now and then if you don't have active cancer or active parasite infection, you know, and and it's not going to kill you if the rest of your week is healthy. Same with bleach. I'm like, you know what? We got a tough mold. We don't want mold. That's one of the best ways to get rid of it. So, but in general, um, the paint you use, the finishings you use, my floors are all Rubio Monocoat, which is a non-VOC gorgeous finish. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's totally doable. And Mm -hmm. um, that will greatly increase a woman's health in the bedroom and overall as well as a man. So get rid of the chemicals in the food. Um, it seems an insurmountable task, but it's not. It's like anything in life. When you decide it's important, you commit to it, and all of a sudden your world opens up. You keep meeting people who give you tips. You find <laughs> stores. You, you know, you're just so getting off all the chemicals and being aware of, of the food um, that you're eating and where it came from is, is essential. So after you've done that. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, this is fun. Lot, I, I right? love this. And, and friends are the ones that have told me, give up wheat, which I did, you know, drop the carbs, mm-hmm. which I did, you know, uh, filter the water, which I did. Um, all those mm-hmm. kind of things are, 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 you know, a lot of it came from other people. Most of it did. But I looked at a lot of stuff on my own, like, you know, the, the superfoods yeah. that, uh, you know, apparently everything that I, uh, that I eat uh, both improves my brain function and grows hair. I got a full head of hair. Hopefully Isn't it's that lovely? brain function. It's great. Yeah. Salmon, just, walnuts, high avocado. Yeah. High testosterone can result in baldness. I don't find baldness a sign of low testosterone at all. It's very masculine and sexy. But um but it you know, it it if you if you're not supposed to be bald and, and you're losing your hair, which seems yeah, to I don't, be see, kind I don't of buy that. Becoming, I don't, I don't buy that becoming connection. a thing with women also, um that? that are starting bald? to lose their hair. So Ooh. 
There, yeah, there's a little bit of an, I don't want to use the word epidemic, but it's becoming not uncommon for, for women to have chunks of hair fall out. So that's a chemical, that's a toxin, that's an immune system issue. But um, hmm. so if you've done the things that prevent a premature decline in testosterone um, and overall that's diet, mm-hmm. um, exercise. What are the foods? What, what are the ones? What reducing are the, foods the chemicals. And yeah. I think we've talked about that. Now let's move to nutrients. Mm-hmm. So zinc is a big one in testosterone production. Most adults have low zinc levels. Most, like over 50% of adults have low zinc levels. And um, just be aware of taking zinc daily because it will reduce your copper and vice versa. A lot of people don't know that and you need copper. So what about natural sources? Like pumpkin seeds, which I eat a lot of. Mm -hmm. But that's natural zinc, right? Um, So fish is natural zinc. Oysters is a natural which is also an aphrodisiac. Um, a lot of meats and fish. I was going to get to that. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about aphrodisiacs. Um, raw raw but, milk. So if you have a source of raw milk, most people in their neighborhoods and in their community do have sources of raw milk, even though the FDA kind of made it illegal. Um, and they did that because of the health benefits. It has raw milk, has um, the um, probiotics and minerals that the, that, the, that the superheated milk at the store doesn't. So... How about yogurt? Um, raw cheese, yogurt. Can yogurt cheaper? have those things? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. yogurt has a lot of zinc in it, but the benefits of raw milk, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but there's a lot yeah. of benefits of raw milk if you don't have a severe lactose intolerance. Um, okay. Okay, so, yeah, so no, not too much zinc. We don't want to do more than 40 megs a day. And I recommend, based on my friends that I trust a lot and that, that have been in functional nutrition for a long time, not taking zinc daily. So, mm-hmm. um Vitamin D also, huge role mm-hmm. in development of sperm, maintaining um, sperm count. So vitamin D, the way we always got it, was being naked in the sunshine, right? Right. <laughs> Without sunscreen. Without sunscreen, right? And so oh, if we reduce I've got to tell you oils that. out of the diet, we don't burn. No, no. We have all the vitamin me, D we want. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me tell you something about, about I, I, I tested that this year because I, I've, I go outside you know, fairly frequently, but I also burn really easily. And so mm-hmm. for, for years for work and things, I always, you know, like pounded on the sunscreen. I think I got skin cancer because of it, not because of the sun. But what's interesting is normally in the course of a summer, I will get a little bit of pink just going out because I burn really easily. This year, because I, I listened to what you said, this is, you know, this is what I do, right? I, I took all the seed oils out. So my, my mayonnaise is oh, avocado oil. I don't have any corn that. oil, yeah. soybean. There's no corn. There's no soy. There's no canola. There's none of that stuff. Flax, none of those seeds. I don't have a seed at all. Mm-hmm. Maybe sesame and the hummus, but that's about it. But other than that, mm-hmm. no. That's the thing. No pink this year. I didn't get one. I had the same as sun exposure I had last year, but because of the seed oils out, as you said, I didn't get one single day when I had the slightest bit of sun on me that I could feel. And that's mm-hmm. never happened. Yeah, that's never. real. So take yep. seed oils out of the diet, which are being put mm-hmm. in all the food. You have to really read and be conscious. Take seed oh, yeah. oils out. You will not, you will not burn. Now you can mm-hmm. not wear sunscreen. You can get all your vitamin D, um, mm-hmm. and it's going to just have this cascade effect on your health, um, every aspect of your health, especially immune system function, but also testosterone. Mm-hmm. We have to have vitamin D. Humans were evolved to have tons of vitamin D, especially during certain times of the year, and um, it's essential. Like winter, <laughs> where there is no sun? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's going to be a benefit to winter, to having some downtime, Um October you know, 80s. I think you're supposed to maximize it during the seasons. You're supposed to get yeah. super maximized and then your skin rests. Yeah. I, I, you know, that's an interesting research to just 
to to research mm. the storage of vitamin D when you've maximized your intake in the sunny. What happens in the winter? I bet it. I bet there's a natural. But anyway, let's let's move on. Uh, so what are the foods for vitamin D? Let's, mm-hmm. uh, we should do those real quick too. Vitamin D foods. E- e- hold on a second. Wait. Let me okay. just go to limiting sugar because I don't want to get off topic. So I won't okay. be able to finish. But um, right. um, so yeah, so vitamin D, fish oils. You know, um, so limiting processed sugar probably one of the biggest dietary changes for not having low testosterone um, to having normal testosterone. It absolutely will lower, lower your testosterone levels, sugar. Again, sugar, the biggest killer is my opinion, right? Of everything, inflation, the whole bit, Uh, inflammation, excuse me, not inflation. That was my economic chat. Can you feel if you have a higher testosterone level? Well, I said inflammation is what comes from sugar. It's 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 not the uh, they used yeah. to say that it was the cholesterol and other things. Can can as a man, uh, can you feel a higher level of testosterone? Or are there any studies? Uh, you'll have you more know? energy. You'll have increased libido. You'll have more focus. You'll be more in that hunter mode versus the female gatherer mode. Okay, so then I've got able- no problems. With- <laughs> Just based on anecdotal evidence and how focus. I feel, I got no problems with testosterone. I'll tell you right now. More able you know, to focus on um, one thing at a time and not get distracted. Huh. In fact, the ability to actually close out all other sources of information, to be able to start a task and complete a task, um, the inability to be interrupted. Um, <laughs> well, the, well, that's the exception then. <laughs> Yeah, when I say inability, like either you don't hear it or it completely throws you off, whereas a woman lives in a constant state of interruption, naturally, and we enjoy that, hmm. and we're cool with it. Well, you don't yeah. have the same testosterone level, so that, that may, but I mean, I'm just wondering, like I say, I mean, I feel fabulous. I mean, I don't know what problems I'm supposed to have at 64, but I don't. You know, I don't take medicine. Uh, I mean, I exercise, you know, quite a bit, uh, and I am just a fabulous, I can concentrate on this. I'm absolutely driven. And I love women, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, as, if feelings so, determine so testosterone libido, level, lib- yeah, what's that? Libido, oh, sexual desire, ability mm-hmm. to gain muscle mass and ability to yep. focus and have ambition and, and, and complete projects. And there's more, but, yep. um, got all those things, you know, not feeling tired all the time. Although I will say this, mm-hmm. the masculine brain and body when healthy needs rest periods of complete downtime in order to function well. So I'm going to say like they go, go, go. They're extremely focused. They must mm-hmm. have turn off time, mm-hmm. maybe late afternoon or yes, evening. Me. They must have turn off Fiesta. time completely left alone, huh. completely veg time, which is one reason why um, women don't understand video games and men. I don't want to get off on a tangent, but I'm <laughs> going to say that's a whole that show right there. Yeah. Yeah, that's There's funny. a huge benefit. There's a reason men tend to like video games, and um, huh. we need to allow allow that time and, in fact, encourage it. Now, I'm not saying all night, every night, where we never get to talk to you and connect and have snuggles. Um, no, no, that's not going to work. But yeah. um, <laughs> no, agreed. But yeah, there's there's a very good benefit to that. So, um, so when I'm saying energy, I mean the energy to complete the tasks you want to task. Um, complete right. and build in your life, but also mm-hmm. with the caveat that downtime is really important. Okay. Um, might as well say vitamin D. So like, you know, egg yolks are vitamin D, right? Um, mm-hmm. to, what else? Fish oils and, and milk. Um, 
because we're in consuming what we want to consume. Um, right. We talked about oysters. We talked about, okay, so avocados. What's an aphrodisiac? Testosterone. Oh, we'll, we'll get that avocado, seed, ah, avocado seed, testosterone, grass-fed meats, really important. goes back to your food source and growing your own right. food, grass-fed meats. And we know why that's important for so many things because they stuff them with GMO corn and they're super sick and they have E. coli and they're yucky and they have right. cortisol levels, these cows. Yeah. So um, healthy meat, meat's very important. Get to know your farmers. Get to know your local farmers. They're heroes. Yeah. Um, organic dairy products. Okay. Exercise, exercise, exercise. The intermittent fasting and exercise will boost testosterone levels. That has been proven for many, many studies. I'm doing that too. Yeah, This is why you know, I have great sexual health, sexual function. I have oh. not had any indications of menopause, and I'm almost 50. Um, huh. And I honestly think it's because I got so into holistic health 15 years ago, um, you know, after waking up to the medical industry corruption, after being a prescriber, it's been such a gift. Like, I didn't even know all the benefits. I just knew I didn't want to die and be sick, but my yeah. goodness, I'm doing great. Just want a little. Get I would a never little have guessed. I would never have guessed <laughs> that you're almost fifty. I mean, you are absolutely gorgeous. No, I'm serious. If, if you haven't seen Dorothy, just take a look at her Facebook page. I mean, this woman is absolutely Keep talking. Keep talking. Verbal That's true. I can't. It's my love know, language. Just, yeah, exactly. We just said last time too. I said this, but it's true. Um, but I think a I lot of it's attitude. Noticing, it's, it's your I health. I noticing it's, who in my life. Oh, you're so sweet. I don't mean to interrupt. Yeah. You talking about how great I am. Um, but I started noticing who in my life um, actually says nice things to me and I'm like hanging out with them more. I, I, like I have a couple friends, that one male sense. friend, especially who, who um, really just says nice things. He actually started, I'm, I'm going to give him a little on air prompt, like some props sure. here. Um, mm-hmm. He started a foundation called the Joshua project, which helps adolescent males come into their masculinity, be proud of it, know what healthy masculinity is, and make great choices in that direction for leaders to be leaders of families, communities, and nations. And, mm-hmm. and I just put that in my own words, but I got to talking with him at a Halloween party and two of his, um, the people, the men that helped him found. And it was so fun to talk to them about what the masculine wants, needs, and, um, and believes in, and, and, in, in light of what I work with women and what makes them happy and super feminine mm-hmm. and, and delighted with themselves. And, Bring them um, on the show. <laughs> I want these guys on the yeah, show. Yeah. I told absolutely. him. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. I told him we would love for you to call in. Um, but he's so full of kind words to me all the time. And, um, and there's a couple other people. And I'm just like, this is what I need right now. And this is what I really need. I need to hear. People need to hear the good things about them. You know, some people just don't get that. They just don't get that. Yeah. Oh, that was my tangent. That's okay. <laughs> you can be on a tangent. Uh, yeah, so Joshua Project. Let's, let's get that on the show. What, what, what do men really want from a woman and need? And, well, I say that um, every week. And what <laughs> do women my need? Job. From, this, this is why yeah. I'm here. <laughs> you know, because I don't think women, uh, quite honestly, uh, you know, I don't mean this in a disparaging way, I don't think women are really open to what men think. A lot of times women think they know best because they, they oh, watch yeah, their mothers, sure. you know, criticize their fathers. And, you know, father That's used to right. know best back when Robert Young did the TV show in the 50s. But, you know, portrayals of men now is men are idiots. You see it in advertising. You see it in movies. You see it in sitcoms. You see it everywhere. So women grow up believing that men are idiots. And we're not. <laughs> and so the, the Joshua Project men, and women, me. Yeah. 
women grow up, yeah, and they grow up believing men should be like women in the way they think and the way they mm-hmm. respond and the way they connect and all this. And when they're not, they're assholes, right? Yeah. Yeah, that is so true. Oh, I, I and, Facebook posts. And, I, I had to correct someone that they were talking uh, about that. You know, this is like, do men come with a communication gene or not? I said, we have perfect communications genes. We just speak a different language than you. You know, so let's talk. Right. I'll explain it. Well, men would prefer if you would get to the point usually, and women will be telling you a story. And there's nothing wrong with this because we love this with each other. Mm-hmm. But but men don't want to waste their building producing time on irrelevant details. They want to tell you the solution to the problem so mm-hmm. you can have a better life. They're here to help. So when you and tell we think them, of that as extremely helpful. Words, yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. We're, we're so that. when I yep. tell you, well, this is the shoes I was wearing when she mm-hmm. said that thing that she said, so I didn't get to my boss's office, and so I didn't get to da-da-da, and it goes on and on, they will zone out. Because they're waiting for the point, and it's literally like torture. And I don't want to get too <laughs> off topic, but 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 agree with you, right? So like, yeah. how to learn to talk to each other is really important. Mm-hmm. But I don't think men assume that women are stupid, or we just assume you're different. But I think women grow up, oh, and, I honestly, right. and this is why you know. And but I think this is this is, and you look at you know the, when it comes to men's issues, who are who are being listened to? Women. The strongest advocates for men are women. I had uh, Kathy Strown on the show not too long ago. And she's mm, a very strong men's advocate, but she's a woman. And she, and she said quite blank because they listen to me. They don't listen to the guys. And so men's opinions are not valid. So, uh, you know, and it, but when it comes to fixing, it's exactly right. We are wired to fix things. We're the plumbers. We're the electricians. We're the, the, the contractors and the construction people predominantly. And I've had women, some really wonderful women friends, one in particular, that said, don't solve this problem for me. I just want to tell you about it. I'm like, Okay. And I'm like, I want to solve this problem. I want to, I know, I know how to fix this. Okay, I'm listening. You know, it's a real struggle for me, but I do it because you know I respect my friend. But that's how you do it, Dorothy. I love that. Yeah. Aww. No, you're right. Okay. And and I love that yeah. you spoke to trying to resist giving a solution. Mm-hmm. Because for women, if you if you really want to talk to a man and be respectful for him of him, so that he will be a protector provider, which is what we really want and need to feel safe, but we mm-hmm. don't know how to go about getting it. And we we do it like he's a, like, he's a woman. We do it like he's a woman and it fails. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to learn how to speak and interact and be respectful. You have to, it's a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you're going to spin your wheels in poor relationships for forever or you'll be with a very feminine man man which maybe you want that okay yeah, that's, that's like you well, there's the, there's the there's the conundrum there's the contradiction women want men to be more like women but they don't they still want the, they want mm-hmm. the strong protective man who's more like a woman well you can't have it both ways it doesn't work that way you either get the metrosexual or you get john way. wayne you know you can't it doesn't work now, it doesn't mean I can't, but in the same way, it doesn't mean, you know, I as a man cannot listen. And it, it, although it's, it's, it's a skill to learn to not solve the problem, you know, but it, it comes to communication. We have to be able to talk to each other, but we have to have the same level of respect. So, so I think most men respect what women say. Not all. There's idiots, Neanderthals out there, but most men. But I think women predominantly, like I was mentioning before, there's, there's something missing in your cultural up bringing mm-hmm. parental observation 100%. growth that yeah. women reinforce with each other that men are idiots 
And that should that has well, to change. Yes. And, and I, we could trace that back, and that's another discussion. What happened in a woman's childhood that made right. her we distrust? Actually had, we started to do that. I think we tried that one week. Yeah, yeah, it makes her distrust her own femininity as being nurturing and safe emotionally and, right. and or makes her distrust the masculine leadership and providership that she doesn't have to work hard for love from a man. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much there. And, and so here we are um, as, as adults trying to sort it out with each other. And if we're not doing that really intentionally and, and looking very deep and hard at ourselves, yeah, just repeated, repeated mistakes, confusion, and heartbreak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to increase we libido, we though, because if we increase you know, libido, uh, we then talk about a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, now... Well, I'd be curious about women's okay, libido too, because we guys don't always know women hide their libido. It's like the, you know, the the the, the hard to get thing. It's like you know they may really want the guy, but they don't say so because for whatever cultural reason. That that's another thing too. Well, Talk about the not man, desire, well, yeah. I, well mm-hmm. okay, a relationship works works really well if you want polarity if the man does lead and chase. So mm-hmm. unfortunately or fortunately, um, a woman does best. The feminine energy person will serve herself best if <sighs> she creates her own happiness, is appreciative, but not needy, and allows him to lead and make the choices, and then she can decide whether or not she's going to move forward. That is, so, 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 so prior to getting in the, in the bed, um, I do find that that's really important to have a relationship with polarity. Um, but then once the relationship is established and there's physicality and there's emotional safeness and, you know, there's chemistry, um, it is lovely for a man to know. In fact, I think essential for mm-hmm. the man to know that she desires him and he turns her on and she's receptive. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he does want to see signs that she would like him, to, that she's inviting him for sexual interactions for sure and as long as she's not stalking him day and night around the mm-hmm. house that will the polarity can stay there won't decrease the polarity um <laughs> okay well the, so the, 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 about- the best way to get uh, men to chase is for women to encourage men that they're going to be caught <laughs> you know the, there's nothing a man likes more than chasing a woman he knows he's going to catch so if you, if you give those kind of hands we're, we're in we're there um Ooh, there's a yeah. thought Oh, well, okay. well, I, well, I always process like I'm sometimes. Okay, so let's can we talk about food to increase libido? Because I really yes. love this topic, and uh-huh. food is yummy, and so is libido. So um, you can have the best of both worlds. So um, diet definitely affects sex drive. Period. Um, our bodies are a biochemical soup that is super miraculous, and can't get into the like absolute biochemistry of everything. So just mm-hmm. trust me. Anything I talk about has been studied multiple times in different mm-hmm. countries and in different ways. So I don't like to talk about, oh, we think this and we think that. I mean, if, I, if, if there is something I bring up that it's like, oh, it looks like maybe, I'll say that. So, um, right. so collagen-rich foods, um, bone broth, I can't say enough about the benefits of bone broth. Um, when you get the organic chicken, you know, don't just take the chicken off and throw it away. Take the bones, boil them, you, you, you bring them to a boil, you simmer them for probably a half a day, 
I've made this at home many times. It makes the whole house smell amazing. When the bones are really soft, you can, you can grind them up and make them into dog food. And, the, and it's really good for your dogs. You can add some other things. And the broth itself, and I'm not going to get into the recipe. You can find them online. But you mix it into your soups. Um, you can use it and you can keep it in the fridge and add it to like when you're cooking rice, you can add like half, like half water, half bone broth. Like you can do a lot with it in cooking. Amazing benefits for the immune system and for increasing libido. Um, mm-hmm. Vitamin mm. C also increases libido. It helps in testosterone production. Uh, water well, chi- well, chicken, water. chicken mm. soup helps with immune systems. Does a healthy immune system so help hungry. with libido? Yeah, me too. <laughs> so hungry. So, I'm like, no. I want oh, someone to make me some bone broth soup right now. One of a chicken soup works. I'll tell you, you got the chicken soup, but you know it works. You got the yeah, about the chickens and the broth and the bone, the bone marrow is what uh, what kills you. So I got some chicken yeah, soup. Like, you know, you cook, the rabbi, he'll tell you. you. Anyway. Your, when you boil mm-hmm. your bones, when you simmer your bones, I mean, you just bring it to a boil. You don't boil them the whole time, or you're going to hmm. kill off your nutrients. But um, yeah. yeah, the marrow does get into the bone broth, so all the goodies get in. Um, watermelon. Uh-huh. Watermelon has Viagra-like effects to blood vessels and also really? has potassium and magnesium. So watermelon's been shown over and over to, um, to help with a sex drive and testosterone. Uh, bananas also. Bananas, vitamin D, testosterone production, bromelain, mm-hmm. testosterone production. Mm. Um, also, they're sexy to eat if you eat them in the right way. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I got okay. great visuals in my head uh, right now. Too bad this is radio, but anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let that go. But anyway. does. That's why I say it. The visual is a nice thing. Visuals. Uh, we have radio, radio we, visuals. That's a whole. Uh, that's a whole psychology too. So the power of the words to create visual images. There we go. Oh, I'm you know. so good at that, Greg. I had I a friend it. tell me recently. I'm just gonna brag. I'm just gonna brag because I'm actually very it. prudish. So I've decided I'm just gonna own my sexual imagination and just be very open about it because. I don't care. People can think what mm-hmm. they want. Once you enter a relationship, you'll be sorely disappointed. I don't jump right in the sack. But I'm going to say this. Um, I, somebody said to me, have you ever written pornography? <laughs> and I, I said, no, I just have a really vivid imagination. And I can take someone from point A to point B. And um, all this stuff just pops in my head, like these, you know, scenarios that are, um, yeah. So, I, But I think that's a beautiful thing to talk about how do our words and how mm-hmm. we say things increase. I bet it does increase testosterone on some level. Oh, I'll bet you. I, 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 auditory... I'll guarantee it. <laughs> I hear yeah. a sexy woman's voice. I, get, I guarantee it. I love the sound of women's voices, and I know that's got to have an effect. And this is why I love radio. This, this is fascinating to me, that the radio images, that the visual images that we create, I would love to know, like people that listen to us, you know, what they think just about our conversation. This is not a normal radio conversation, but it's incredibly visual. And we, we don't have bounds here. We, we, we talk about things that uh, are more personal than I imagine <laughs> I'd be talking about on the radio, but that's okay. That's, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, like, I'm okay with that now too. But the, the images, the power of image, and this is why I've heard there was like, the, there was like this is a dating, you know, whatever you call matchmaker that talked about women fall in love with their brains. They fall in love with what they hear. So if you want, you know, the, the whole seduction thing, you know, it's, it's not visual for me. It's, it's really, you listen, you hear, you get that sexy guy's voice in your brain and then the, the, and the words combine, it just kind of goes from there. Yeah. I don't feel that as much with a man's voice. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Hmm. So it was women's um, voices. I love women's voice. Yeah, Some don't though. Some I'm, great I'm, on me though. Well, Hillary Clinton. I am wor- Clinton I'm working on my sexy no. voice because what, when I teach women, um, I just had Dorothy? an advanced training with, Mm-hmm. Dorothy, 
You have a sexy Did you voice. Lose? You have an oh. you have an incredibly sexy oh. voice. No, I was just talking to you. I oh, wasn't. I, I was nice. just getting your attention. You have an amazing voice, <laughs> and so don't think for a second. You so there, there are guys all over the world going. I want to meet her. You know, well, trust me. that's very kind of you. I will say this mm-hmm. though: when I'm teaching the women, we have to talk really loud so they can hear us. Hmm. So I was actually told by my teacher trainer, um, I mean, it's the only thing she corrected me on because I'm really good at what I do, but she said um, to work on the sexiness of your voice a little when you're loud because you're kind of losing the sexiness. So anyway, um, I'm working Hmm. on that. So nutmeg, nutmeg, this is is really fun. Nutmeg, Hmm. saffron, and clove all enhance sexual behavior in animal studies over and over and over. Um, Mm. Saffron increases sex drive in females and males, but especially females. And um, nutmeg lowers lowers, uh, erectile dysfunction occurrence and increases testosterone. You can take these three spices and put them in some warm coconut milk or almond milk or oat milk and um, beat them up really well. Add a little honey. Um, so a hot, spicy, this uh, nutmeg, saffron, and clove, sip it at nighttime or before bed every night or maybe a few nights a week. It's delicious, and it will absolutely have an effect on your sex drive and testosterone for women and men, women uh, libido. Mm-hmm. I'll have to add some nutmeg to my, my, my tea and honey and stuff. This is, sounds good. I'll put a little on top. Yummy, really yummy blend, very okay. relaxing. Uh, dark uh, I'll, I'll cook with more saffron so for dark- women. <laughs> I'll remember that. I'm speaking for women. I'll make more. Yeah. I'll throw more saffron. Hey, have some saffron. It smells so good. Yeah, okay. It's really mm. underused in our in mm. cooking in our country, saffron. Right. right. I put clove in my coffee. I love clove in my coffee. I put just a little bit, and I put it in um, when I'm making French toast, when I'm making pancakes, not enough to overpower, because we know clove is also an antiparasitic. It has amazing benefits. Um, nutmeg mm. also so garlic. tastes really yummy. Jump in your coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Okay. Garlic, you can make a nice tea at night with, you know, garlic and onion and honey. And that's also, I'm going to say, also increases testosterone. I didn't mention it because there's too much to talk about today. But that also, garlic and onion um, also affect your sex drive and testosterone. Dark you do chocolate. it before the day. And this is, <laughs> yeah, so that's not one I would recommend. Clove actually makes your breath smell. It will take away bad breath. Um, it will make your breath oh. smell better. So that's, that's one okay. I would recommend prior to an encounter. Um, Dark chocolate releases serotonin. Really mm-hmm. great for women. So especially for women. Oh, it's good for guys too. Serotonin. Wait, wait let's, let's talk it, about dark it, chocolate. It, How can it mm-hmm. not be good for guys? I mean, I love dark chocolate. I didn't say that. I, I didn't say that. Okay. I didn't say that. But I... But they don't hear. But guys don't. But no one talks about this. Like I've I've had. I used to like. I was one of the rare kids at like five years old. Like dark chocolate. I mean, it was just weird. We had in Australia. Uh, my parents had. I think my father had this distinguished dark chocolate. You know, whatever is for guys. You know, for for adult uh, discriminating taste. You know, and it's like I tried. It's like this is really good. I was like six, five, whatever. You know, I've always liked dark chocolate. What does that say? It's good for guys. Um. Yeah, mm. you're probably very body body intuitive. Um, hmm. some people just their body tells them very clearly what they need and don't need and um, it's really kind of a nice gift right to, to listen to that uh, but but the reason I'm, I said for women especially is we know from studies on sexuality that and I, again here's a generalization so um, you know obviously there's people who fall, fall out of this um, what I'm about to say but Women especially tend to be affected by emotion when it comes to sex drive, stress, and emotion. 
Men are affected by stress, but usually they are more likely to be able to continue having healthy sex, even if the stress levels are high or they don't feel emotionally connected to their partner. And again, the emotional connection is really important for men to fall in love, but they can still have sex without it. Again, we're making generalizations. Well, do the they feminine get doesn't, doesn't usually do it? as well. Yeah, do, do guys get connected after? Like if a guy's stressed out, still can have sex because he's a guy, you know, and then does he get like really connected afterwards? Going, oh, boy, you made me feel wonderful. You know, is there is there like a later connection with guys? So this is this is varies from man to man. I mean, gosh, there's so much here. So. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about avoidant personality. Well, let's not. Let's talk about nutrition. I'm going to put that on the back burner. But <laughs> let's say, okay, let's say someone quickly has a, a, a man and I don't. So women, some women are avoidant attachment. That's true. But it tends to be more men. Women tend to be more anxious attachment. Um, and see, avoidant attachment, sometimes that's the only time in the relationship you're going to feel their emotional connection is during sex. And, oh, that's um, not good. And, and, and they'll get... And they'll get their fix, and then, um, and then they can't – because an avoidant can, can only handle certain little bursts of emotional closeness, and then they get really scared, and they pull back, um, huh. and they can't really get too deep very often. So sometimes they'll get it from the sex, because sex for a lot of men is the best part of emotionally connecting with it. And it's not just they want to get off. Like, that's how they really spiritually get and emotionally get connected, um, best of all. But a healthy relationship, there'll be other times you're emotionally connected outside of that, including – you know, um, understanding that the time after is important for a lot of women and to be able to give the cuddles and the words. Um, but some avoidance can't, which tend to be men, you know, can't do that. So they're getting all their emotional connection during the sex act itself. And directly afterwards, they really feel a very strong desire to get out of there. And it's not because they don't love you or they're repulsed. It's because they can't handle anything more right now. So anyway, that's, well, that's weird. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. I've heard that. And that's really I hard. And you can imagine how hard for the woman that is. You can imagine how difficult. Yeah. It's like a betrayal yeah. almost. Yes. And, and, and again, we all so this here and we're talking about leaving? communication. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about communication and understanding the masculine and female energy. So not that a woman has to accept that, but when she understands that, she's going to be a lot less self-hating. She's going to be a lot less feeling like it's her and she did something wrong. Like, he, you know, he's a little handicapped. <laughs> so, mm. and that's, that's, well, yeah, unless you play video it. games after sex together. I mean, you know, I mean, just there's mm. a connection. Yeah, wouldn't that be? And so there we go. Like, how do we make this work? Let's say you have an avoidant and a, a man you're with who hasn't done his healing work, or he, he is, but it's never really 100% gone. You know, when we have trauma <laughs> from our childhood, we can work around it. But that's how right. you work around it, what you're saying. Like, okay, this is painful for me when this happens. I understand why you're doing it. Can we have a compromise that feels good to both of us? And that's a beautiful one you just came up with. Hey, how about yeah. every time afterwards when you kind of don't want to cuddle and you want to get the hell out of there, um, would, could we play a video game together? Would that work? Then maybe I cuddle. think that's really a great, yeah. a great yeah. solution. Um, yeah. Have some dark chocolate, <gasps> play a video game, you know. Have some cuddles, mm-hmm. you know, but, yeah. but, but the, the whole idea is that you're working together, you're a partnership, you're a team, you, you, you know, you, you have more in common, you're, you're trying to do something together. And so as long as both people are open to things that bring them together, the actual things they do is not, it's not as important as the fact that they're together. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. And, so, and yeah, being together and then being aware of, 
why mm-hmm. do I have feelings right now of, of scared and want to get out of here? Like what's happening? Yeah. And I how was that we... movie? Um, was it sleepless in Seattle or, or no, Harry met Sally. Remember when, uh, uh, what's his name? Billy Crystal. Couldn't wait to get out of anybody he was with. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't remember, but I well, did if see you, if it you, was a long time ago. Guys, if you're, if you're leaving your woman so quickly, how do you do it the second and third and fourth time? Just a thought. Well, what's going to happen is the same, the same thing in every relationship. So it's just going to get repeated. There's never going to be a woman that doesn't want closeness. Um, she'll right. either be cheating on you or, or she'll be chronically unhappy. Um, not that women, and this is a whole other topic that I love to talk about. Women have to, everyone has to learn that love is inside themselves and happiness is inside themselves. No one's right. going to give you that. However, you might as well be single if the relationship doesn't even feel like a friendship, like if you can't even count on the person to be able to share feelings or, or get more and more connected as the years go by, what's the point? You know, so um, there's things you can't build together as a couple when there's, when there's these blocks. And, and so the healing is really important. Um, not expecting someone else to give you happiness, but definitely expecting both people to do the work to try to meet the other one's needs and, and, and try to give them joy and, and pleasure and, and, and consistency, right? Not just push and pull and come and go. And that's just chaotic. <laughs> mm. Sounds like it sounds so mechanical. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it's we got seven minutes of food talk. Great okay. Okay. Great. Let's go. Apple, spinach, avocados, all of these things increase libido and sex drive. It's amazing. And it feels unbelievable sometimes. And you're like, oh, it can't be. Oh, it has to do it. No, all this stuff is based on a lot of research. Research that the mainstream public isn't given because these things are free. These things are free and delicious. I mean, fact, but you, can, you know, not free, but they're very cheap and, and, and easy to mm-hmm. solve a lot of problems. Brazil nuts increase selenium, which creates healthy testosterone. Um, and you can make a little lovely um, little snack with dark chocolate and Brazil nuts. Um, and, and a lot of these foods actually, and make like little energy bars, little energy balls with them, and just snack on them. Energy today. balls. I, well, I'm I, sorry, that's just, that's just funny. Energy balls. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. No, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember yeah. Alec Baldwin but, and his salty balls? Okay. No, I don't. Oh. But I wouldn't but remember it anyway. Like, I don't like Alec Baldwin. But, you know, you've well, described my cabinet. I, I mean, I've got the dark chocolate, mm-hmm. I've got the nut mixture, I've got the. You know, this, the salmon and the avocados and the bananas. I mean, the, I mean, pretty much everything you describe I've got here. <laughs> it's really funny, except for oysters. I can't stand oysters. Uh, but so yeah, talk about aphrodisiacs. Is that really, are there certain foods that really enhance your libido, or is it just all myth? So when we're talking about sensuality, anything that tastes good or feels good in your body, but I will say wine and sugar have the opposite effect. So um, oh. alcohol, al- alcohol. You know, I had an interesting conversation. I have a friend who is a very handsome, successful ex-pro football player. He's single. Um, he's just a friend. We've known each other for How? years. Um, How was he single? <laughs> that, that, that seems, you know, I'm just curious. Yeah. He's successful that, and a, a sports star and a public figure, you know, for whatever extent. Yeah, I'm just curious. I mean, where's his trophy wife? That just that's the first thing. Well, if you're mind. not willing to meet, if you're not willing to meet the needs of a healthy woman, um. And, 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 and well, okay, obviously people are single or because they want needs. to be for some reason. 
Mm-hmm. Are women not meeting his needs because they just want the the, the fame, the the, the trappings? Well, what you know, are they you don't choosing? What are you choosing? Yeah. What, okay. I mean, you know, somebody on Facebook this week actually stopped following him because it, it really felt toxic. But he said, a good-looking man with money wants beauty first. If you're not beautiful, like a 10 out of 10, forget it. And if you're a single mom, forget it. And if you're this, forget it. And I came back with, okay, there's a lot more to that. A high-quality yeah. man is not looking for perfection. He's looking for a woman that has great self-care, that feels beautiful, that's happy, that has a full life. The highest quality man is not looking for physical perfection first. Now, the player who's just looking to F around might be looking for that. So, so we're talking about different levels of deepness and connection and quality of relationship. And, yep. um, and so his take on that kind of made me feel like my friend's take on that a little bit. Like it becomes more about my ego and my status and am I good enough? by showing this kind of woman, then it becomes about having an actual deep intimate connection. And this football player friend said to me, basically like we have to go, he's like, Oh yeah. I, I always, you know, you got to meet somewhere where you have a drink or two first so you can have a conversation. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I hmm. can have a conversation. Like I can't imagine needing a drink to talk to a man. And, but, mm-hmm. but he was sincere, like, like, and there's a level of shyness or wounding there that I had to comprehend for this person. Like, he has to have a drink or two to be on a date. Wow. So um, that, right. That's and that's common. That is not a really, but it's common. And, and when we, yes. Okay. So back to the aphrodisiac, a sip or two of wine. If you had a stressful day in your little tent, I don't think it's the best medicine. I don't think it's the best plant medicine for stress, but I won't get into that. But if that's your go-to, a nice organic red wine, when I say organic from Chile, or some, from one of the countries that doesn't process it like the U.S., um, and a sip or yeah. two, because anything more that gets you a little buzz also dries up the vaginal tissues, causes a feminine energy sometimes to get reactive and moody, which is not great for sexual interactions, and also, um, also has the opposite effect on the erection, right? It, it usually alcohol is just not great for sex in, in general, isn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, it really, you think it does. You think you feel better, but, uh, you know, how many bad encounters happened um, because of alcohol? And they don't blame the alcohol. They, they blame each other or something else like that. But alcohol is really detrimental. Yeah, very much so. It's, 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 huh. it's the last thing I would go to if you're looking for a way to increase. So anything with ginseng, um, I don't want to not talk about ginseng on our call. Um, okay. We only have a few more minutes. But ginseng, study after study after study, all over the world, many years, erectile dysfunction, soft erections, turns it around. Um, there's all kinds of protocols online you can look up from um, like Dr. Axe and Mercola, reliable mm-hmm. sources. Opens arteries, opens arteries that carry blood to the genitals specifically. Um, for women, uh, adding a little Damiana, not essential. Ginseng by itself alone is great, but also arginine and Damiana. So now we have increasing vaginal lubrication, increasing arousal, and increasing clitoral sensitivity due to mm. a release of nitric oxide, which I won't get into right now. But um, ginseng for women, beautiful, golden. Huge. Um, yeah. Over and over studies showing amazing sexual health results. And ginseng for men also um, and, and, you know, our FDA in this country has all kinds of nice warnings about ginseng. Like, there's all kinds of myths in our mainstream yes, culture, works. and I believe that's probably <laughs> intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting that, uh, you know, especially if you get the Viagra thing, which is advertised like crazy all over the place. You know, get it at home, mm-hmm. get it in your, your paper bag, whatever thing like that. Uh, 
given everything you said this entire hour, there's no need ever, really. Unless there's like yeah. a really clinical thing, you know, it's probably like 0.001% of the men that are on it actually really need it for a physical disability. But as far as everything you've said, if you lose the weight, you, you drink, you know, drink and eat the food, you get the exercise, you have a good attitude, you take away the stress, you stop drinking alcohol, you're going to be fine. Yeah, right? you can eat your way to amazing sex. Um, you really can. You can Ooh. eat your way to not needing any Viagra. You can exercise and eat your way to... Um, to a great sex life. And I, mm-hmm. You know, we talk a lot on your show about mental, spiritual, sensual components, yep. you know, how, how, you know, and communication and, and masculine and feminine. Um, but if the physical ability or sensation or desire isn't there, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, we're talking today about how to have the physical component work beautifully. Right. Yeah. But all yeah. of these foods, are also going to increase your, your immune system and just your overall health. Um, and when you feel healthy and you're not sick, um, stress levels go down. And, and a, lot of, a lot of things might just dissolve away that you thought were an issue when you feel amazing. And I'd love to do a show with you, Greg, on, on how to feel amazing inside and not rely on sure. someone else to always bring you happiness. <laughs> well, see, now this is, this is my claim at all. And this is, but this is, I see this with women all the time. I see the postings of, of friends of mine and, and folks. It's like, you know, if, if I had the, the perfect person or if I did this or my not, life's not complete, it's like, what, what, make your life complete yourself. Then start looking. You know, it, it's, and guys don't feel that way. Guys, we do not feel that we need a woman in our life to, to, to fill a void or complete a picture. You know, for, for, and I don't, I don't speak for all guys, but for me at least, it's, uh, I'm okay now the way I am, but it would be nice to have someone that would make my life better, but not, I don't need another, in other words, you know, the, it's, it's not two halves of a whole, it's two holes coming together for a mutual benefit that make a greater whole. And I think that women don't see mm-hmm. that. They see that they're, they see themselves more as, as half and they need the other half. Whereas guys, I think, see themselves more true? As, as a whole, but we want another whole that's equal to our whole so that probably a bad way to put it. The, our whole, it. W-H-O-L-E, folks, okay? In other we words, know, the, but that's cute. Our, it's funny. Yeah, but <laughs> words giggle, are interesting. But, our, but, our, but oh. the, the total package, well, that's probably a bad choice, too. I'm not doing well today. But, you know, no, who we are as an entire choices. person. Subjective. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I love it. But you get me in the mood, yeah. But the entire, you know, person <laughs> uh, meeting another entire person, you know, two entire people coming together. Um, you know, making something far greater than they could be as individuals. That's the goal. But like I say, but women see, you know, it's, it's partial. And it's very detrimental, I think. I don't think guys understand that a lot of times. But if you read the, you know, read Facebook, you'll see it really easily. It's everywhere that women really feel partial, that there's, there's something missing unless they have the relationship. Well, it's what's weird. missing for women is connection. So if women don't get okay. connection, they become mm-hmm. very anxious a great deal of tension occurs in their, in their spirit and body. We can absolutely evolve past this with spiritual practices, yes. However, we can also create a life with a lot of connection with sisterhood because okay. we're intended to be connected with women. Women are intended to be constantly in connection with other women, and mm-hmm. we've, we've, we've eliminated that from our, our modern life. And so we are looking to our partner to give us those essential primitive um, social feelings of connection all the time. So there's two things. One, spiritual practices that will absolutely let you kind of transcend that need and find mm-hmm. constant sources of divine love inside. That's real. 
Another thing is, and that's part of what I work with with women in the somatic movement, we, we, we literally turn ourselves on and up and, like big time and take it out into our lives. However, the other component that need to connect, um, you develop a tribe. You develop a tribe of, of women, um, whether it's your workplace or socially, and you, you get your connection there. And from that place, amazing love will come to you, an amazing romantic love. Um, just don't forget what you learned. Don't forget to keep going to your, your sources that you've, you've learned, right? Don't rely on yeah. them uh, to, to give you all of that. That's probably why women-owned companies have a large proportion of women working there, and they work very much as a social whole, as a social environment. You know, and mm-hmm. then uh, so that that's that's incredible. It's, it'd be interesting to study, you know, like like male workplaces where it's like a brotherhood. You know, and I, I've worked with a bunch of teamsters. It was like a brotherhood. It was like all guys pretty much. Uh, and so it, it, it was fun. It was, it, was, it was great. We were rude and disgusting and we had a great time. Um, but that was like, uh, like a brotherhood, you know, uh, and, and then, but women working together as a group in a, in a, in a company would be a different environment. It'd be interesting to see the relationships of people that work with, you know, same sex at work and then, but it, or heterosexual relationships or whatever relationship they're in. Um, but uh, yeah, it might be healthy. It might be, you know, healthy to do, you know, guy and stuff for guys and women oriented stuff for women, uh, and then kind of mix later on. Hmm. And then get back to the relationship. Yeah. You're going to have a lot health happier of a woman if she's busy, um, turning herself on and up and being with other women that she likes. So yeah, that makes <laughs> versus, sense. versus overworking that, that guys? alone. Yeah. Girls alone. matter is important. You know, yeah, if you, if you mm-hmm. want guys to out with a woman, make sure they have a girl's night out too. So go, go have a girl's night out and then you'll be, then they'll be much happier with you guys. I think anyway, yeah. Well, we, we solved all the world's problems mm-hmm. this hour. I love it. We did. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. And I can, I can type something up about the food. <sighs> so yeah, post it too. So week. Yeah. 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 It's gonna be a great week. I have all kinds of projects I can't tell you about. <laughs> but we, the biggest one of course is uh, oh. January 7th, our citizen legislation day. That's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a good time. And that's at the Imogene Theater here. So, of course, I hope to see you. But if you can't, we're going to be live streaming. So you can keep up with all, all, all of our doings and our fabulous uh, national guests and everything else that happens. And that's January 7th in Milton, Florida at uh, the Imogene Theater. Anyway, let's get your contact stuff. And then uh, I actually have to dash myself this morning. So I have a, a project after, uh, after the show. So, yeah. And you got tiles. The best you, got Car- you got Carlos, is, uh, the tile guy. <laughs> they're going to start. They're, you're about to hear some banging. They've been asking me, can we start? Can we start? Um, yeah. So my best contact is, is off of Facebook or my, my website, Yoni Yoon, Y-O-N-I-Y-U-N. Greg, I'm going to change the name. I was told by my genius friend, Barbara, who, um, mm-hmm. who's a wonderful businesswoman, that my, the name of my company doesn't really reflect what I'm doing. So I'm going to be brainstorming on that. But right now, well, it Y-O-N-I-Y-U-N. sounds like a sushi recipe, Y-O-N-I-Y-U-N. to be quite honest. Ah! It, it's a, it, it does. It's like, would you would you like the the tempura or the yoni yoon? Well, I think I'll have the yoni yoon today. Okay, fine. Thank oh, you, <laughs> you know, it came to me in a dream, and I felt like that was God talking to me. But a lot has changed in three years, and my focus mm. has changed a little. So, um, so it's interesting. So, um, yeah. So anyway, I'm gonna be working on it. But right now, it's Y O N I Y U N. I I teach women how to move towards pleasure and joy and happiness in their lives and uh, I do somatic movement that looks like exotic dance. It's very fun. It's extremely transformative to reawaken sexual energy in women and sink into your feminine and totally accept your feminine and go through the world radiant and receptive to all the beautiful things. It works. It's amazing. Um, 
And I do. And we guys love women also. that have been through your course, by the way. I actually love to meet some <laughs> of the women that have been through your course. If I, I probably want to date some of the women that have been through your course, but that's another story. We'll talk about that later. Well, they've got anyway. some, some magic moves, I can tell you that. Oh. <laughs> I, I believe it. I'm, I'm all for, for discovering the magic, you know. Uh, all right. Be my well, magician. Have a great weekend. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to type this up much. right now and then take okay. my car to the body shop. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, the body yep. shop. All right. Oh, okay. Yeah, get some body work. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Right. Definitely. Thank you, Dorothy. Always. Okay. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye. Bye now. <sighs> I love talking to her. I just love talking to her. I can't help it. She's just fabulous. All right, there we go. So back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time. And again, a lot of things happening. Hopefully, I'll be dropping into Matt Gates' rally this evening and telling him about our uh, giving a personal invitation to our January 7th um, Citizen Legislation Day. And so uh, I kind of like talking to him directly. I, I show up at his rallies and kind of surprise him. It's like, uh-oh, Greg's here. So, you know, we'll see. Anyway, 7 a.m. tomorrow, we'll do it again. Today was a fabulous day that just flew by. I can't believe how fast we get through these three hours. So now I'm going to play a manly commercial and, <laughs> and a couple of other things. And I will see you all tomorrow when we do it all again. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Grave Care, and now as an affiliate of Grave Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Gravecare, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. 
Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Action Radio. 